I had to shake him on my last case, Big O don't play. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Musky Hunks podcast. I'm one of your five hosts this evening, Ryan Reed. We have all five hunks on the line, which surprised me because I didn't think Mr. Swink was going to be here. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, we've got uh, we got a lot going on tonight. This is a yet another special episode. I think uh, we're all super excited about this one and the guests that we have here. So what I want to do first before we get into that is just introduce the other hunks. So I'm going to start with Mr. Tom Venata. Hello. Hello. How you How's, doing? Good. How's everything at home? Wonderful today. This is this is this is a holiday now. I'm dubbing it a holiday. June first. <laughs> it yeah, I agree. This one might be uh, Joe C Day. Yeah. Oh, she, <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> what? Wow. Nope. Shh. <laughs> we also have we also have on the line tonight our northernmost correspondent, Mr. Nick Fiesler, new dad. Good afternoon. Yeah, thank you. Congratulations, here. back here. Yeah, week old yesterday. So uh, everybody's healthy and happy. You getting you getting some sleep? You, yep, so far. Oh, <laughs> well, good things to come. Glad to glad to have you back on. Thank you. We also Enjoy have while it lasts, Nick. <laughs> talking from somebody that has a two-month-old baby <laughs> we also have on the line tonight mr donnie swink evening gentlemen good evening sir good evening and lastly mr owen seaman and big o's bucktails good evening guys and since we may be getting a, a maybe a slightly wider audience whenever people might tune into this episode i just want to start off by by you know assuring people that the name the musky hunks is is purely tongue-in-cheek um that's you know we don't normally describe ourselves as hunks uh but the this, the the whole podcast came about and the name came about and we've kind of stuck with it so i don't want anyone to get the impression that you know we are five hunks sitting around here we are we are five slovenly uh you know middle-aged white men who uh, are, are mediocre at just about everything in their lives. So hunks, hunks is a tongue in cheek. It's like calling uh, the big fat guy tiny. It's like the musky chunks, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Ryan calls it himself works. the hunkiest hunk, though. No, so. no, you've called me that before. And, you know, some days you need a little boost. Not going to lie. Feels good. All right, let's so kick Tom, it good Yeah, let's let's just kick throw it, it right Tom. to Tom and get 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 into it. Without further ado, yeah, let's. Our guest tonight is arguably one of the most special to me, as I've been watching Aww. his video. Yeah, I mean, man, I've been oh, watching man. his watching Whoever it his is, videos. He sounds amazing. Yeah, he's right? pretty cool, man. <laughs> um, it's a legitimate honor for me to introduce him. Um, he really doesn't need an introduction, but for those who don't know, he's an author of various books. He's written magazine articles online and in print. He was a senior editor. A content creator. I mean, he's a podcaster. The list. Could, we could talk for a whole podcast about like what this guy does. Uh, name, not, Tom. Well, not to mention the self-proclaimed chief superglue consultant at Joanne Fabrics. My current title. Yeah. 
current title yeah he's a who i'd consider probably one of the most fun and just all-around relatable dudes in the fishing big leagues um he's kind of the guy always like throwing the parties for the other people and tonight we kind of want to throw him a party um he's worked with some names you may be heard of we'll get into that a little bit later that could be a whole podcast in itself i'd go as far as to say he's maybe our first celebrity guest even though he probably wants to punch me right now for saying that at least the open hand slap yeah, at least yeah, that's fair. He's, An open he's, hand is a loving yeah. hand, you know. Yeah, probably one of the coolest industry guys I know of. Um, he probably cringes at being called an industry guy too, and that's kind of I think what makes him so cool is that he like no matter how big time this guy gets, he never has that Mister Big Time attitude. Like his work always feels relatable. It always makes like the reader, the viewer, the listener, whoever feel like they're part of his crew, like it is camp. And this evening we kind of want him to feel like he's part of our camp. It's like a best man speech. Holy shit. Hey, this is good. This is no insane. Chump. Good stuff. He's no chump. I've been up writing this all night. Shut up, Owen. He really he, has, too. Pages are stuck together and everything. How many times have you rehearsed this in front of the mirror? In Tom? the mirror. Yeah, all Kayla, how does this sound? This is epic. I think it's going to exa- end with, will you go to prom with me? Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's just exactly what the fishing industry needs more of. I mean, he's no bullshit, no ego. He keeps it real. He's like what we like and what we kind of try to preach. You know, and we could go on for ages about the different species and like places and people this guy's fished with, but we'll try our best to keep it musky related tonight. Although I'm sure we're going to dive down some rabbit holes about his work. He's not really a musky guy and he doesn't call himself a musky guy, but it's funny because he's fished for musky in like way cooler places than I probably ever will. Um, and word has it, he may have a mild case of the musky bug. So that guy, it's Joe Cermelli. Wow. I, I have never. Woo. I mean, that was an extreme introduction, but I did. But to- you don't give yourself enough credit. And tonight, like I said, it's your party tonight. You're, you're, you're always doing the praising. And tonight we're singing the praises of Joe C. I, I, I love it, dude. I can't thank the, you, you. You mentioned, I hope he's comfortable here. This is, I'm our, we, we've been talking for like, what, 10 minutes? And I could do this all night. You guys are, you guys are already a blast and we haven't even gotten into anything yet. I will say, though, like, I know you mentioned musky hunks, it, it's tongue in cheek. But I am the furthest thing from a musk. Like muskies are my bane, dude. I'm like I'm not even a musky nerd. That's like a that's like a good thing. I'm I'm like just a musky idiot, though I have the utmost respect. So like I hope I hope that what I have to say about muskies um, helps somebody or maybe turns them off and they'll be like, you know what? Now that I'm listening to this, not I even worth probably it. go for yeah. They're not. It's not <laughs> even worth. It. I should go fish for something else. But um, no, man, this is. Uh, this is awesome. You guys, you guys, you guys are a good time. Um, Nick, I got to say, uh, so congratulations, first of all, right? Thank you. Welcome to Thunderdome, as all I right. always like to say. <laughs> uh, my Thunderdome right now, I literally just told two kids, if you shut up and do not walk in this door while I'm recording, I will buy you something tomorrow night. Whether I, <laughs> something. So look forward to that. Right now, oh, yeah. baby puts where, you know, you, it, it stays where you put it. But right. just so this is this is to come. I've I've bribed them. So hopefully we won't get interrupted by anything. Bribes are, you know, it's part of life. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Give and take. Yeah. Yeah. I'm from Jersey. You bribe somebody for everything. You know, okay. Okay. price on an oil change. Let's let's talk. and We'll do a little better. You know? <laughs> so. You, so, Joe, you like you just said, you're from Jersey. And did you uh, were you born and, and raised in Jersey? Yep. Born and raised in Jersey. 
um, dark little secret. It's not that much of a secret. I actually live in Pennsylvania now, though I always have to follow it up oh. with directly across the river. Like I can smell the essence of Jersey when the wind is out of the east. Like it's right there. But smell the you, tanning lotion. Yeah, exactly. The, the axe body spray. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the pork roll. Uh, you guys have pork roll out in Pittsburgh, Taylor Ham? Is that a thing? Yeah, no. not, not uh, so much. That's, that's a like, shame. That's that's a reason not to live there. Uh, but <laughs> but um, yeah, so when you live that close to the border, it's like tax break. It's way cheaper in PA. So you just hop the border. So, But I'm still a Jersey guy through and through, born and um, raised. Yeah. And so, all right. I don't want to jump right into things, but like, how do you, how do you get into the fishing? Like, did you go to college for writing or were you in the outdoors, like the biology, um, you know, type of educational aspect or how, how did you get to where you, what, where you are? Well, so I'll try and I'll try and keep that as condensed as possible. Yeah. That's a, um, that's a, that was a bit of a, a, a vague question. Owen like, likes to ask my long questions, so like a whole <laughs> podcast in the question. So, no, I went to school for journalism, no biology. Okay. I always loved to write my whole life. I loved to write. Um, I love to play music more than writing. And by the time I figured out mid-college, like, man, playing in a hardcore band is probably not going to work out long term. I was like, I should probably do the writing thing. So my two things were always music and fishing. So I'm like, well, uh, I'm a journalism major. I got to figure out something to write about. So fishing sounds pretty good. Uh, but then beyond that, I mean, you know, that's like the million dollar question. How do you get into it? Uh, you know, speaking about how there's no answer to that, how I got into it. Uh, and granted, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about this. So I've been doing this 16 years now in the overall scheme of things. That's not that much time. And where media was 16 years ago compared to where it is now, it's like literally being raised on, you know, horse drawn carriage and seeing the Model A come about. I mean, in that time, it has changed so drastically just the from, youtube game like lo looking back at the at, at the at your the hook shots the, the like the early episodes like the one the red childress episode which we'll talk about at some point yeah you know the uh, it, you know the just the whole how things are covered has come so far and back then you guys were kind of like pioneering that that aspect it was very amateur like you got almost a real like the office type of vibe from right. it Instead right. of like a real super hyper produced uh, and, and pre-planned thing, which was really, really cool when, when, when I was watching that stuff. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad that it comes across like that. Like we were pioneers, as you put it. I just got a video camera for Christmas and I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. I had no dude. I had no idea what I was doing when I started in video. I had a very cool editor at Film Stream at the time who was very just promotive of creativity. And I said, can I try this? And he said, yeah, go for it. So I would love to say that. You know, I started Hook Shots in 2008, which I, I would love to say I had the insight at the time to be like, this YouTube thing is going to be huge. Nah, dude, I just wanted to go film shit and go on cool fishing trips. And I had the outlet because I worked right. for Field and Stream. But I started when print was king. So how I got into it, truthfully, um, it's funny, the similarities between making it in a band and making it the way I have are almost identical it's meeting the right people at the right times getting a foot in the right door at exactly the right time things lined out and then you work your ass off in between you know there was it wasn't easy but you just sort of roll with it and adapt and that's what i've tried to do so you know i came from a time when print ruled over everything dude now it's hard to find a print magazine to put your story in anymore it is right. completely different you you do not need to be 
aligned with a brand or a magazine or a field and stream to make it. I mean, you guys, I mean, right now you guys started this, this podcast. I, I mean, you, you don't, you don't need to be aligned with a big brand to be taken seriously anymore. I mean, everybody has the creative outlets now, so it's completely different in a relatively short amount of time. I think where Owen's getting at with that, his, his goal in life is, I think, is to uh, kind of do the like Bill Gardner time on the water type mm-hmm. type book. Mm-hmm. And then yes, just... that, that's good... exactly where where uh, you know I'm 44 looking... now, so so I'm you know I'm kind of beginning to look at. I mean, not like I'm looking at end of life for God's sake, but you know I'm you know my kids are getting my kids are 12 years old, so I'm starting to look at what can I like look forward to in the next like five to 10 years and, and some doing and going and, and spending some time in Canada and writing a book for like 60 or 90 days of just musky fishing experience, like that Bill Gardner book, Nick, mm-hmm. you're exactly right. Um, but I don't, you know, I'm not a classically trained writer. I mean, I'm a lawyer, so I have some, I have some significant writing, but that's legal writing stuff. That's totally different than, you know, you know, writing a, a book that someone actually wants to sit down and read. So I'd be, you know, maybe at some point in the future, I'd I'd love to pick your brain just on on kind of the 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 outdoor writing aspect of things and we don't need to get into that now but okay I, we don't have to get into it. i was i i would just say that you know that's the thing i you know i get that all the time from especially young people right they they reach out all the time how do, how do i do what you do and uh you, you can pick my brain anytime i'll talk about that for hours but i'm you know i'm pretty frank with with people uh, I don't know if I know anymore because I started in that time when it was like, you get your break here, you do some work for this magazine. I went from this magazine to a local magazine to got a shot at a national magazine. Nowadays, you could write that book and it could be huge on self-marketing. It could right. fail, you know what I mean? But but the point is, it's it's hard to say, well, if you do X, Y, Z, you'll get there because everything is about almost being self-made now. So it, it's 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 a hard thing to answer when people ask, you know, like, how do you get into this? Um, it's tough. I think it's a good excuse to quit your job for a year. Alan. That's what <laughs> right I there. would do. You know? you know, that's what I would do. Might as well. Yeah. Wife, the wife and kids would love that. Yeah. <laughs> In my notes here, that was one of the things that bugged me. So like, I talk to people about Joe a lot and they're always like, Oh, the hook shots guy. And I'm like, you deserve more credit. And granted, hook shots is like my favorite thing to ever happen in life. You deserve more credit <laughs> than the hook shot guy. You're more than that. Well, that's how that's how Tom referenced you when he first was like, "Do you know Joe's Joe? Ever listen to this? The hook shot guy." But but you know what? And and, and Tom, I I appreciate that immensely, man. Um, but in, in a way, that's what I'm I'm most proud of because, you know, Field and Stream took a shot on that. I mean, let's be honest, right? If you look historically at what Field and Stream was about, I mean, back in the day, that was like, yes, you know, drinking. it seems to be a much more conservative type of, you know, not not exactly the forward thinking publication right. that that would sponsor a, a hardcore themed kind Punk of rock YouTube theme show. fishing. Right. Well, they didn't sponsor it. I was a full time employee. So, like, it's not like they were like, you know, I, I said I want to do this. And and some some people that I worked with did recognize this is where media is going. YouTube is important. Video is important. It was right around that. It was that perfect time of transition where these print magazines couldn't say, oh, screw the web. It doesn't matter. Like they had to pay attention. So, but yeah, I mean, historically field and stream was, was fine literature and, you know, you sip a scotch and you read field and stream. So 
I always looked at the, the time with hook shots and somehow I managed to do that for 11 years. I'm still astounded. I'm like, damn, I pulled that off for 11. What? You know, <laughs> but it was almost two faces of Joe, right? I, I knew how to dial it in and write for field and stream and be a, a representative of the field and stream brand as it had always been. And then over here was sort of the real me, you know? So hook shots, when people recognize me from that, I'm not upset about that. I think that's great because I'm like, that's that's the, the the truest me. I've never been a fan of on-camera personalities. And a lot of people have them. And that's okay. Oh, yeah. That's your thing. That's fine. I've always been like, nah, I don't. I just, uh, this is this is who I am. That's why Hookshots came about. I'm like, I hate most fishing videos and fishing shows. That's what makes right? you so relatable. I mean, you're not some douche in a polo with 700 logos plastered on it trying to sell us like a magic fishing cream. Like you're, you, you're, you're relatable. Everybody's Fire like, oh, I could. Yeah. Do, do you guys have budget though for logo patches? Because I'm actually shopping for, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> we'll send it out. We can Almost send you a PDF. <laughs> we had someone actually spoof our logo at the local musky show, a buddy of ours. His wife oh, made yeah. shirts called the musky drunks. And mm. instead of a musky, it had a little guy with a drink spilling his drink and puking and stuff. It was pretty good. That should be your late night podcast. Yeah. You guys that should be doing be. two podcasts. Right. After That's hours. Yeah. Yeah. We were pirated immediately. Did Field and Stream ever ask you to like dial it back or anything? Like, you know, like you say, like you have your, your personality on the hook shots. And did they ever say, hey, Joe, you got to kind of chill out or nope, you got you got to do no, your thing? No. And um, I, I can give credit to Anthony Licata was his name. He was the editor in chief of Field and Stream at the time when hook shots launched. Um, matter of fact, Anthony Licata went to Meat Eater and brought me over to Meat Eater. That's how I ended up over there. OK. Um, and. I think in the beginning, it was a little like, man, this doesn't fit, but it worked. And it brought something to the table that Field and Stream hadn't had before. There was nobody else churning out videos like that. There was nobody else there promoting sort of themselves on 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 social personally. And it was also that transitional time where not only, you know, so print was king, but not only was the, were things going digital, that was sort of the transition, I thought, to where became less about the brand and more about the personalities behind it. People followed and latched on to personalities first, and then they, by default, paid attention to the brand because they liked the people first. Now, if you look back in time, that's what Field & Stream had before computers and the internet. I mean, that was, you read Field & Stream because you liked Ted Trueblood, you liked AJ McLean, you followed those personalities. But it changed and it went digital, and I stepped up and, and you know, Part of the reason I got to do hook shots too, call it like it is, I came cheap, man. I did all that myself. I bought my own camera. <laughs> I learned to edit myself. So it wasn't like I came to the table and said, hey, I need a film crew and a budget. And I mean, right. I had a budget, but dude. Not I, to I, interrupt I, I, you. I, yeah, is it true ahead. that you didn't even have a camera until like I, I heard on an older podcast that you didn't have a camera until started. You asked your dad for one or something because you wanted to film fishing videos. That's right. So at, at that point in time, you know, 2006, 2007, I was working for Saltwater Sportsman. Then I moved to Field and Stream. I was doing mostly print work. So I was slowly but surely upgrading my still cameras because I wanted to take better still pictures. So I had a pretty good one of those. And one year for Christmas, my old man's like, what do you want? I'm like video camera i had i mean i i was like i i don't know what i'm gonna do with it but i don't have one so that's a thing i might need and that was that i mean i just like well i have this thing so let's start messing around with it you know 
And Did you start uh, out with the the full blown over the shoulder full VHS guy? No, dude. I had what you know the the five hundred dollar <laughs> jobber from Best Buy. That's I pretty much used that. See, I'm also a firm believer, and this is not to detract or take away. I mean, there are some incredible videographers in fishing. Incredible. I mean, just beautiful stuff. But because I came from the print side and the writing side, I always put the story first. And I was always a believer that if the story is good and the people in it are good and that engages an audience, you can shoot the shit on a flip phone. If the story is good, the aesthetics matter less than the story you're telling. So for those entire 11 years, dude, that's all I used. I mean, like I would go into Best Buy, be like, what's the most expensive one you got right now? 1200 bucks. Okay. But compared to what the real dudes were using, right. that was still trash. Yeah. Um, right. 20 even, grand even, probably. Yeah. Even moving on to Meat Eater, B-side fishing. I did two seasons of that while I was at Meat Eater for two years. I did have a camera guy for that, which was awesome because I never had one before. So <clears throat> for 11 years of hook shots, I was host and camera guy, which is tricky. So to finally have a dedicated and camera, editor. Yeah. And editor. So to finally have a dedicated camera dude who I got along with really well, like we were a good team. I was like, holy shit, I'm fishing so much more. And like, once you <laughs> learn to trust that guy, like you really trust that dude. You're like, man, like, look what I was missing. But still, I still edited it all myself. And I would say 50, 60% of that footage was shot on my iPhone. Like he had a good camera on him, but the rest for filler stuff and, and quick stuff, I shot it with my iPhone. Right. And I, I, I looked good enough to me, you know, so oh, yeah. and Meat Eater was happy with it. So it just goes good. to show you that if you could tell a good story, you don't need to have, you know, the Red Dragon camera or whatever, you know. And you don't even have to catch fish or fish like that. That's what I was telling with these guys. Like, I, we live in Pittsburgh. I don't striper fish. I'd love to, but I don't really go for stripers around here. But I eat the shit up out of a Joe C. Striper video just because it tells <laughs> a good story. And, like, you have these characters in it. And it's just, like, it's entertaining. It's it's relatable. And you're like, oh, that's kind of like, even if it's not, you don't fish for stripers, you're like, oh, that's kind of like my steelhead crew or my musky crew. Like, this guy reminds me of this guy in my crew. Yeah. And that's exactly what I was going for. I've always looked at, at what I do. You know, you, you brought this up in the beginning a little bit when you were introducing me. Like, I, I, I do have a heart. Like you say celebrity. I'm like, what? No, fuck. No, oh, not yeah. no, not. No, mm -hmm. but I, I that's not me. And I always looked at what I did like. All right. I got a little bit of a pedestal. I got a megaphone. I want to give it to you like you're cool. Oh, you're oh, cool, dude, making stuff in his garage that like probably deserves more attention or do. That's always my M.O. Uh, with with the Bent podcast, with Hook Shots, especially towards the end of Hook Shots, uh, because the social media grew so much. I started having a rapport with with fans and I would see their pictures and share their pictures. And I'd take note like, oh, man, this dude out in Iowa, like and eventually I would like muster it up and like kind of track and, and pay attention and be like, I'm coming out with you. And some of my favorite ones were the ones that were fans. They weren't guides. It was just a, a dude who's been following me for a long time. I've been paying attention to what he's doing. And I'm like, yeah, I'll come out to Iowa and hang. And they were some of my favorite ones. Yeah, that's just, awesome. Just real awesome. people. That's awesome. I was going to say, I just listened to, uh, I think, the last episode of Hook Shots. And uh, or uh, one of the podcasts. It, it, you guys were, it was, it was bent. We were, you guys were talking about all of those memories and, the, and like stories from the hotels and things like that just uh you know that's a cool vibe you know yeah. I, I like stuff like that yeah i didn't realize that you you actually went and fished with followers followers so to speak i mean back then yeah. i guess listeners or 
Yeah, and and you know it, it's 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 uh, it's a it's an interesting experience. Every single one that I did that with, I remain very good friends with. Um, you know the ones that come to mind, and I don't know if you guys have seen all of them, but I did I did two shows. One was in the Driftless area of Iowa for Trout with this guy Dave Strum, who is a complete nut job in the most endearing way. But I'm like, this dude is whacked out in the best possible way. I mean, he's not going to be a guide you're going to hire like you. And, and I, for for two years, I'd watch these pictures and he'd be like, come on, come on. And I'm like watching these trout. I'm like, all right, we'll bite the bullet and go. But it was the right call. And the dude and I'm, I'm still friends with him today. And we also did one um, in Milwaukee, Steelhead and Trout. Uh, and there was a guy, Tim Hyvenen, he he got involved. But Pat Keem, Pat Keem was just a local urban Milwaukee steelheader that had been following me forever. And we had a rapport and I'm like. I will try it, you know, and it, you know, you can't jump to that because everybody wants you to come fish. Right. I mean, the, uh, the, the amount of DMS I get that are like, come on, I got this cool thing going. You can, you can't just jump on it. You do have to sort of do your, your homework and, and feel it out. But I can, I can say thus far, knock on wood. Uh, none of those have ever bitten me because I'm sure you guys have dealt with this. Somebody's super dialed till you get there and you're like, dude has no idea what he's doing. And this was all a complete Nick. lie. Yeah, yep. that's that's how I felt oh. the first time I fished with Tom. Oh, right under the bus. That's terrible. I went out with Tom. Tom was like, "I got this hot bite. You know, meet me at three in the morning." This is a true story, Joe. Pittsburgh <laughs> tributary. Show up. There's like mattresses floating down. Keep the in river. mind, this is like a three-hour drive through the night for Nick. Uh huh. Uh huh. Insane. Yeah, yeah so, he's tried pulling that on me too, but I didn't bite. Yeah, <laughs> you haven't even talked about no, the thanks. heroin, the heroin needles on the <laughs> oh, ground yeah. either. Just quality. It's a you know ideal urban fishing scenario. I, I love urban fishing, truthfully. Like I, I enjoy it thoroughly. Um, but but just to close that out, like you can't jump, to, you can't jump and take every offer. You'd love to, right? But you right. can't do that. Um, but you know, it's it, um, it, it's it's sort of one of those things too. People always want you to come out. And they're like, I got this thing. And if you musky muskies, especially because we'll, we'll, we'll get into my musky history, but everybody and their mother wants to be the guy that puts me on a musky on the fly. And I can't tell you how many times it's like, if you come right here on this date in October, me and my boys catch six tonight, I guarantee you. I'm like, first of all, don't get, you don't guarantee shit. And I will, I will undo all your mojo the second I get there. Cause I, cause that's my vibe. But also, I'm like, think about what you're asking. Do you want me to come film there? And they're like, oh, you know, I'm like, can you blur right, everything? Yeah, Can you blur everything? No. <laughs> so I, I've also I'm very cognizant of spot burning. And I've always that's kind of one of the nice things about controlling your own your own shows. Everywhere I've gone, I've been like, hey, listen, I'm putting the burden on you. But you have to tell me you don't want this bridge in there. I won't, but but you have to say so. If you don't tell me, I don't know. So yeah, people all the time like, oh, we got this drainage ditch. I'm like, you want me to come film that, homie? You know what I mean? Like, you want me to put that on camera? You know, and then like, that ah, actually you're right. That's a story. Nick and I went to Canada and fished for muskies last year, and and there was a story of a guide up there who went on a major Canadian um, fishing show. fishing show and gave freaking GPS coordinates of like these two major spots. And I guess the fishing community just came down on him. Like the guy had a fucking nervous breakdown and is no longer <laughs> guiding. And he's like out of the business because of, because of a big shot, you know, he got on the, this huge Canadian fishing show and whew, man. Yeah. Sometimes you got to be careful what you wish for. 
yeah but like joe i remember the first time i messaged him something i was just like hey joe i love your stuff and within like 10 minutes i get a message back like hey thanks dude yeah and that's so cool that's the coolest thing ever like you're you're a skate guy joe you know you you might get this reference like they're like sean white's in the fishing industry that we kind of like cringe at to be like represented by we're like he's not like a real fisherman but he's like representing me but like right joe cermelli is like someone you're proud of to like be your voice I'm I'm happy to hear that. I, but and by skate guy, I own skate decks. That's if fair that qualify, That's I, I you like know who Sean White skates. is. I know Sean White is. But I, but makes I own... you more of a skate guy than me. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's just, it's cool. Like you're out there in the streets. You're you're answering messages. You're fishing with some listeners. You're making shows with past fans. Like that's like the coolest thing ever. I think, and that's what the fishing community needs more of. A, a so, report, a report is important to me. I will say that. I mean, I try to answer every email, every message. Um, you know, I uh, that that's that's part of who I am. You know, so I I do try and and stay very on top of that. That's awesome, and I appreciate that because one of the things that we've kind of preached on this podcast is that we want people that want to be on the podcast as opposed to trying to drag people kicking and screaming. Hey, be on our podcast, and it you know you, because you don't have that rapport, and even though Tom did. I don't know how what Tom had to proposition you with to get you to come on the oh, get, Tom, come on the Tom podcast about, here. Tom wrote about three thousand words. <laughs> it was about as long as the intro. <laughs> and I and I think I I don't remember exactly, but it was something like, "Please feel free to ignore this entire message." <laughs> Any chance? And then it was like fingers crossed emoji. And I read it and I laughed and I was like, "Dude, absolutely!" See how easy that was. <laughs> fingers crossed emoji. Yeah. Then he fold up. Then he fold up a little note and write, "Do you like me?" Yes, circle one. Yes or no. Well, I messaged him back. The first thing I said to him, I was like, "Okay, holy shit, give me like five minutes to calm down before we discuss anything." Because I I saw the message from pop up from across the room saying, "Dude, yes," and I'm like, "That wasn't Joe." Yeah, dude, and 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 I I I try and do as many of these as I can. If I if I didn't have the time or was busy with something, that's one thing. But I, I I like to do it. Because coming from the podcast world, I I understand very well what a pain in the ass it is to line people out and have shows routinely. Like I I know that pain. So if I can help make somebody's week or flow easier, and I have the time to do it, I'm I'm all about it. Yeah, well, that's awesome. I I definitely you know we all I know we're getting a very good vibe here that you appreciate that you are enjoying being on here and we really like that. But I want to get back. You mentioned that you like urban fishing. For the yeah. most part, we are all urban ish. You know, we're we're all around the Pittsburgh area. Nick is certainly not not as urban, but I mean, or Erie isn't exactly you know, it's not exactly the farm. So urban he has chickens. Head. You know, can I can you I know, just say to that point though, it, it might not be as urban as Pittsburgh, but one time on that same steelhead trip I mentioned earlier, where we did that road trip, I booked some motel called like the Lake and Pines and pulled up there thinking it was like a mom and pop fishing place in Erie. And I was like, There's no fucking way I'm getting out of this car right now. Like <laughs> it was not it was not good. Well, before I knew Nick, I stayed at a hotel where the final thing the, the hotel manager said to me before handing me type? my keys. Nope, he, he gave me the tour of the room. <laughs> Very beautiful room, by the way. Smelt like cigarettes and like juices. Yeah. He before he walks out the door, he says, "Oh, and by the way, I'm working on the locks. Your door doesn't lock." And he handed me a key and walked out. <laughs> so that before I knew Nick and was able to crash on Nick's couch, that was my experience at Erie Hotels. Right. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I like to think of myself as offering a safe fishing hostel in the in the greater uh, Erie area. If anyone doesn't feel safe staying in a crappy motel, yeah, it's a know. couch. Nice are you, Airbnb. Are you inviting all the listeners to stay with you? Probably no, not I, all of them. Okay, but uh, maybe if I know them, none of them. That, if they follow Tom, they're out. They're out. Yeah. Generally, liking steelhead is a negative mark, you know. Owen was talking about the urban fishing, and I was yeah. I was going to save this for later. But one of the real quick, one of the qualms I had, I loved the B side fishing, but I was so upset when you did not come to Pittsburgh to catch your muskie downtown and all of the industry. I was like, this is Joe. This is the perfect place, man. Like to to catch my muskie. So you think I should have done that for B side? Done Pittsburgh muskie? Kind of, because it's underrated, man. It's we have the three rivers. There's all the industry. You, you don't know what you're going to find. It could be a body, a car. It could be. Well, what's the concept? Well, give, give me, a, and I apologize. What's the concept of the B side show? Yeah. Simply put, um, B side was a little more polished hook shots, is what I would say. Uh, you know, more VO driven than sort of the uh, talking head interviews. Um, but B side, I think, focused a little more on to fit the meat eater vibe. Tried to work a conservation angle in, in there. Like, there's a reason why we're doing this. There's a story to tell about the fish and the people. And then, of course, like, you know, you, 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 you got to eat the fish because it was meat eater. So we tried to work that in. Um, but I will say, first of all, I love fishing in Pittsburgh. I've only done it once. I did a flathead show there and I had a, I had a blast doing that show. Um, muskies, because of my hookshots history, I am just not in a huge rush to film musky anything because, damn it, it just has not worked out much. Mm -hmm. So, you know. It is funny, like, um, you know, hook shots, a little bit different vibe. B-side, Meat Eater, they were, they're, they're much more video and podcast-driven organization. That's why I went there. Those are the kinds of media they put first. Right. So I learned a ton in two years. I mean, it was an incredible experience in terms of learning, but I went from sort of the, the putts walking around with my Best Buy video camera to, like, what's the outline? What's the timeline? What's the pre-production? let's pull permits so you could shoot them like permits. You mean I, like I'm not supposed to just walk into a Denny's and record the major D <laughs> they're like, no, you can't do that. So it, it was in terms of professionality, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was much more like bang, 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 hit your deadline. This season is going to launch here, which again was an incredible learning experience. But then on my end, figuring out, okay, what are the focus of these shows going to be with hook shots? I did that so cheap and so dirty that if I wanted to swing for the fences on Muskie and we totally flubbed it, I'll play it off. It didn't fly quite as much. So when I'm, I'm looking at the subject matter, I'm like, hell yeah, I would love to knock out a killer Muskie show, whether it's fly, conventional or whatever. But I know that pain so well of having three days to film and like it's 10 minutes of light left on day three and the shit hasn't gone down that I won't, I won't lie. Like I've, I've shied away from that situation because my track record has sucked. I've done much better on muskies when there's no cameras, cameras and muskies. That's usually how it goes. Yeah, of course. You know, of course. So it's kind of like hedging your bets. Um, if I was doing a B side a week or a hook shots a week, which is impossible with that level of production, I do a lot more musky stuff. Um, but yeah, that was, that was not the first pick. If there had been more seasons, if I had stayed at meat eater, Maybe, but um, yeah, I, I, I'm like, I'm gun shy on muskies, boys. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm just a little gun shy on them. You yeah, know? it's, it's understandable. 
Have you fished any of the like musky lakes over by you? Yeah, I have. So I have, I have exactly, I have six muskies to my name. Okay. They have all been conventional. Three of them were caught in New Jersey. So the hmm. thing about me and muskies is there are muskies right down the street. I'm right down the street from the Delaware river. That's got muskies. Um, there's several lakes nearby that have muskies. There's, there's, there's no shortage of musky water here. Is it good musky water? Like as good as West PA or Wisconsin or something? No, but the, the people always want to know like, well, how come you haven't gotten your muskie on fly? Fair question. And I always say I could have, I could have had it by now. I probably could have had a handful of them by now, but what I love about where I live is the variety. There's not many places you can live as, as, as shitty as Jersey and the rat race and the highways and the taxis and all that. I get it. It's crowded here. But there's not many places where you can smallmouth fish one day and catch a yellowfin tuna the next or striper fish in the salt one day, take a shot three hours, go flathead fishing here, go steelhead fishing here. And that's what I love. Uh, you know, my two favorite fish, striped bass, brown trout. Right. But I love that variety and muskies. I feel like they need to be earned. So if I wanted it so badly that every time I had free time, I'm like, I'm I'm doing nothing but this until this happens, until I get one of these bastards to eat this fly. I'd have had it, but I'm, I'm easily distracted by this, that, or the other thing. Um, so I, I don't put in, I don't feel like I put in the required time. Even on these video shoots, it's like, I'm asking the fish gods to show up with three measly days or whatever and get glory. I, I understand the musky game. I don't deserve that. You know, like the guys that you got to put your time in. So, um, most musky fishing I do locally anymore is in the winter because, oh, it's easy then boys. They're all in the holes where the walleyes are. <laughs> yeah. Like dude walks down with a, with a meps and catches five of, I caught five last week. I'm down there with the glide baits and the shit. Like I didn't touch a musky down there. I know he's there. It's the wintering hole. So, so what brought you to Western Pennsylvania for that one hook shots episode of the musky fishing? Like it see, yeah. this is, doesn't seem like the destination to come from New Jersey to say, Hey, let's go fish the Allegheny. Sure. Well, the, I mean, the short answer is red Childress himself, the guide. So, um, I hadn't done red a musk seems like a cool guy. He's, he gives off a real stone cold Steve Austin vibe. Stone cold Steve Austin. Uh, and he is intense. But I mean, he was good. Like you, like he had, he, you, you were feeling feels of that dude. Like he was on it. So what happened there was I, I hadn't, that was pretty early in the hook shots days. I hadn't shot a musky show yet. I really wanted to, but prior to that, I'd done so many articles for field and stream where, you know, you're doing a guide roundups or best lure roundups and you need contacts. And a friend of mine, actually, Mark Madosky, my friend Mark Madosky, who, who was in that show with me, he knew of Red because he was a big time musky guy. Mark really loved muskies. And uh, I talked to Red in a few articles and he seemed dialed. And, and truthfully, beyond that, it's like, well, it's not that far. It's driving distance and seems like good fishing. And this guy really seems dialed. And he's telling me if I come now, there's a very good shot. So we did. And uh, forget what we call it. My, my buddy Mark got a real nice fish. I forget if Red got one. And I got like the little dinker at the end, like just like alligator rolled for two seconds. It was like 20 <laughs> inches long, count, but, it, it was, but it was on my birthday. It was on December 18th. It was on my birthday. So it was like a birthday musky. A musky um, is a musky, man. 
Well, not but, to inter- not to interrupt you again, but I was looking for a Josie Muskie Gripen grin, and I was almost tempted to use the freeze frame of you and the Tierra, the birthday Tierra, holding you your Muskie. I, Tom, I put myself <laughs> out there like that. Therefore, it is fair game. You nice. Can, you can go for I that. love it. I love uh, it. But I, but I also think part of that was I tried never to run to ground zero. It's like, okay, I need a Muskie show, so let's go to Big Chip. Like everybody goes there. You know, everybody goes here. Right. Everybody goes to St. Clair. So I'm like, ah, little, you know, old school, little town, you know, Warren, PA. Where is that in Allegheny? I, I always like that, you know, <clears throat> not jumping for like the, the go to place all the time. You know, that was part of it, too. That's really cool. Uh, one of my favorite scenes from any hook shots ever is at the end of day one after Mark catches his fish. And you guys have it set up where Mark's on the phone telling his buddies all the stories and you're laying pretty much like face down on the desk in the corner of the hotel room with the bottle of crown and the shot, because that's so relatable. (laughs) We've all, I mean, we've all, you said yourself, I mean, like when uh, you were with the guy from Sims and he caught that muskie and stuff. And like when Mark caught his muskie, like it feels great just to be like in the presence of a muskie, like your buddy caught it. Yeah, still like a team. It is. But at the same time, we all can relate to like that Joe sitting in the corner of the hotel room, just like, yeah, good for you. Like, I, I really wanted mine, but good for you. Enough well, the sh- already. The, the like- show the show at the time was also sponsored by Crown Royal. So I'm like, uh, how do I work uh, in the Crown a little Royal? little product placement. Oh, yeah, dude. It was, it was wacky. It was one year. They were like, you're sponsored by Crown Royal. I'm like, what? They're like, here's a case of it. I'm like, oh, okay. That's great. They were kind of Wild West days because you think about it, all that video stuff, even though that was only 2008, you know, 2007, was like in its infancy. Nobody knew how to sell it yet. Nobody knew what to do with it. Nobody knew how to calculate it or right. it's not what it mm-hmm. is today. So the sales guys were like, yeah, we had a meeting with Crown Royal and they love this. I'm like, the whiskey? Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Has there, has, has there ever been any thought on your end, like after after the experience that you've had doing hook shots and also working at a bigger you know, outfit like Meat Eater, you know, is there any thought of bringing something back like hook shots where you go and do something more like bare bones, less, less on the super production uh, tip and more getting back to kind of, Hey, I'm going to go do these little things. And, but now with the audience that you've built through all the things you've done in your career thus far. Well, sure. I don't know if we're, if we're, we're jumping the gun or not, but I mean, that's, that's sort of where I am now. So I, I left meat eater in April um, of this year and, um, you know, I can't I can't dive too deep, but uh, I'm I'm independent now. So I you know, for the first time in my career, I have the opportunity to make and own whatever I make. I mean, everything I've done in my career so far has been owned by somebody the corporation else. Yeah. that I work for, you know, so it's it's uh, something I've wanted to try for a long time. You know, the, the truth of the matter is, though, in terms of video to answer your question. Yeah, I would love to do something like hook shots again, um, but that's a that's an expensive lift when you don't have, you know, the financial backing of a corporation. You know, it, compared to so many other series, especially like things that media made, like Das Boat. You know, yeah. like watching that process of how like something as big as Das Boat came together, I did hook shots on on a shoestring, but still, there was a travel budget. There was food that had to be paid for. There were guides that had to be paid, you know, so to do that completely independently on your own, man, I don't have that kind of cash, you know, yeah. and that's a, that's a lot of time. So I wouldn't rule that out, but now I'm in that process of like, I need somebody to come to me and say, Hey, you want to revamp something like hook shots, man. And we're behind it. 
you know, so I'm taking it a step at a time. You want to um, be the sixth hunk, Joe? Songs? I don't I, maybe <laughs> maybe I'll just get We're right hiring. to it. We're we have a pretty good resume. We, we got a couple <laughs> other people, ch- you know, gonna come through, but yeah. we'll let you we know. Need a couple a little step photos. Uh, a pretty impressive know. resume, though. I gotta say, you gotta I, take your first shirtless musky pink. <laughs> <laughs> I will think on it. I mean, now that I'm independent, it's like, man, you can't uh, say no to anything too fast. Right? So maybe, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I will say, uh, you know, Bent was pretty successful. Uh, it, was, it, it got up there pretty fast. So my priority, again, without too, too much detail right now, uh, I, I, I want to start another podcast first. That is that is priorities to reestablish that. Cool. That will reestablish a new brand for me. Could that lead in the near future or further future to something more like hook shots? Yes, absolutely. But even, even to that end, you know, talking earlier about how things have changed, um, you know, you can do something similar to hook shots on Instagram. Now it doesn't necessarily even have to be this big sponsored, you know, production. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's a little chaotic time, a little nerve wracking for sure. For me, it's very different than, than what I've done in the past, but it's also pretty exciting because there's really nothing off limits you know what i mean that's awesome the world is your oyster yeah or i'll be working at target in a year one or the <laughs> other you know <laughs> but you have the following i mean like you said before you created all these little communities and i know back in like the early days of hook shots that was like how we judge someone if we want to fish with them or not like like trout fishing and steelhead fishing like you don't know hook shots like you're not you're not part of our crew <laughs> So like, well, I feel like you have the following anything. It doesn't matter who it's for. It doesn't matter if it's for field and stream. It doesn't matter if it's for mediator, no matter who it's for, it's going to be good. As long well, as no, it, and I, I appreciate that, man. And I hope you're right. But, and that's, but that's, that's sort of like my other shtick has always been, uh, you know, you guys have listened to my stuff. I do everything. I fly fish, I tuna jig, whatever. And fishing media has gotten so siloed. Everything is like, well, we are a saltwater podcast. We're a saltwater flats fishing podcast. We're a, you know, musky fly only. So I, I, I love all of it. And I, and, and I, I firmly believe and will stand by that. I don't really care. You guys are all musky guys. This guy over here, fly fishes for bonefish. If you all sat down and had beers together and just all paid one attention to one another, you You'd will learn time. something from each other. Like we're all doing yeah. the same shit, right? And we're all doing it because it's fun. So that's what I've always really strived to be with hook shots. And Ben is like a sort of a catch all. Like you're all welcome here, man. You, you kill up. You, know? you kill it. I mean, I'm going to get some eye rolls here for saying this. I already know it because these guys get on my case. But that was like one of the reasons I was so excited to have you is because I try to tell them like I, I, I took Donnie and Ryan. I took them steelhead fishing this year and they had a great time. They loved it. And I get it like musky. Once you get the musky bug, you cannot shake the musky bug. But what hookshots always did for me, it kind of took me back to the early days. Like you, in musky out of anything, it's so common that you kind of lose touch with like why you got into the sport. Mm-hmm. Like when I was four years old, I wasn't getting into the sport to t- chase like a toothy fish. I wanted to see like a bobber go down. Right. Yeah, and sure. Watching watching hookshots like that's what you do so well. Like it didn't matter. I didn't striper fish, but I was able to watch these shows and I feel like I'm part of the striper gang. Yeah. Like, I- you, all fishermen were welcome, and that was just a beautiful thing. Yeah, and and along those lines too, like I don't care what you do, if like if you can't giggle over a bobber going down, like something's wrong with you. Like I still think that's cool. Like I still do a lot of fishing with a shiner and a bobber. You know what I mean? Especially in the winter when it's cold as hell. I'm like I'm gonna throw that out there and let something eat it. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. Donnie's known to hang a big carp under a bobber in the winter. Can we too. talk yeah. to Donnie? Donnie, did they treat you like Donnie from Lebowski? Like I have not heard <laughs> oh, yeah. much from you. Like come on, Donnie. 
What? You're out of your element. Donnie. <laughs> so what do you fish for? Like when you go out and fish now, what do you fish for on a regular basis? Like now that you don't, you're not going to film something in particular. If you just want to go enjoy yourself, what are you doing these days? Yeah. So we just came off of like uh, the nice thing about the Delaware, it's got a huge population of spring runners, which I love. So we get American shad right out of the ocean herring. And then the salty stripers run from Delaware Bay right to my backyard. And there, so you got these big ass stripers <clears throat> in basically smallmouth water. So that's sort of settling down now. So I'll start chasing smallmouth on the river here. It's getting really hot out here. I'm sure it is there too. So grass yeah. is coming in. The snakeheads will kick soon. Um, I'm striper fishing out front. They're in the ocean now. They're out of the bay and out front uh, this coming Friday. So um, lots of stuff, man. Just the other day, I grabbed one fly rod and went to a bass pond, like looking for large. Like that's I'm not a big largemouth dude, but I love that, like a bass pond and a hair bug. Like that's that's a good time. Is snakehead um, something that you will target pretty regularly? Oh God, I love them. Yeah? I love them, dude. Yeah, I I, I am enamored with those fish we could do a whole podcast on that he's like um, the president of the snakehead club usa i think like he's yeah. the biggest proponent of snakehead I, well with a caveat they should yeah. not oh, yeah. be here they are invasive they should have never been here we should not have them in this country right. but they are they've been here for 20 years no matter what we do they're not going away so i'm like enjoy it. fun enjoy yeah. it i mean <laughs> i it's it's to me it's just like you spend your whole life with x bluegills largemouth catfish it's like same thing your whole life and all of a sudden out of left field here's this thing that like wasn't there a year ago and now it's here and it lives somewhere different and it feeds differently and it does all kinds of different stuff and it's mostly a top water feeder it's like how do you not get pumped on that you know so yes i am tore up with snakes that's pretty cool my only like sort of snakehead story because we there's none up this far north that i know of I know a but, guy, if you want some, who brings some out and dump them wherever you want. <laughs> <laughs> That's not me. But. <laughs> but I ran into these guys from Maryland that got blew off Lake Erie. They were trying to smallmouth fish up there. They were on this little local lake that I musky fish all the time. And then one guy was like, yeah, we caught a snakehead out here. I was like, Bowfin. Bowfin. Yeah. yeah. He goes, you guys kill those, right? I was like, I don't think that was a snakehead. It's actually Probably. a problem because I, I love bowfins too. And that is that is a huge problem is people can't identify them. And yeah. bowfins are di- are native dinosaurs, man. Yeah. Like you don't should never kill a bowfin, in my opinion. But yeah, no, we're loaded with those over. We don't have many snakes, but we're loaded with the bowfin over here. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. can do an exchange program, snakeheads for bowfins. If you little want. trade, little Pokemon trade. Talk to the DNR and arrange <laughs> it. Yeah. Is the rule still to kill to kill all snakeheads that you that you catch? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a gray area in Pennsylvania. I think so. But then I've also read that they can't make a law to mandate you kill. They, they, they can't make a they law can't to make mandate you kill you something. Ki- they can't make you kill something. Um, but I mean, you know, just speaking for New Jersey, if you go on their website now, I haven't been on in a while, so I don't know. But if you look at the, the studies, I mean, they're all from like the early 2000s. You know, it's like we caught 23 snakeheads in this creek. Well, like, dude, there's 4,000 of them in there now. So, right. <laughs> you know, it's hard to mandate and tell you what to do when you don't have the man- it's a manpower thing. They don't have the manpower to do all this, this studying. Uh, that's why if you look to, you know, Maryland, they do. I mean, that team down there has been on it since the beginning and they study them aggressively and everybody else should learn from that, you know. So uh, Jersey, I think, recommends it. 
Pennsylvania still says you should. But meanwhile, Delaware, Virginia, I believe, and Maryland, full catch and release. As long as you put it right back in the water that it came from, you can catch and release the fish. And Delaware just added snakehead not long ago to their state record qualifier. So you can now have a snakehead record in Delaware. Hmm. So it's kind of changing south to north, you know. But where, where I live, people still get wigged out by them. Have they had a significant impact environmentally? I mean, of course they have. But, I mean, has it been as I, negative as, as it was put across back in the early 2000s when they were, you know, that these things were going to walk on, walk on land and transfer from, you know, from sure. lake to lake? It's the hard thing for me to speak to you because I'm not a biologist, right? So all, all I can tell you is what I've seen with my own eyes, which a lot of people have already told me doesn't mean shit. Screw your eyes. We don't care. Um, you know, in my experience here, like I said, it's a fish that was never here. Now it is. They tend to not want to be where the things that you want to catch are. So to float the river here for smallmouth fish in the riffle water and the eddies and the rocks and all that stuff, the snakeheads want the backwater junk. You know what I mean? They are in, in the stagnant stuff and the, and the side coves and these back lagoons. So I have not personally seen a decline in anything. Frankly, we have flatheads in the Delaware now. I blame them for smallmouth numbers being down a, a thousand times more than a snakehead. I mean, a snakehead, I've killed a bunch of them. They're delicious fish. And I don't even really like freshwater fish, but they're great. They have little bait fish, crayfish, nymphs, stuff in them. I've never, like, you know, dumped a two-pound largemouth out of a snakehead <laughs> stomach. But you know damn well, a flathead will eat a three-pound smallie in one bite. So, you know, they're just so easy to hate. Uh, same thing with Susquehanna. They go nuts over them in the Susquehanna. They're getting the Susquehanna. Dude, I, I, I caught, like, 40, 30-plus-pound flatheads in two hours on the Susquehanna one night in the fall. That's a problem for your gaming fish right there, you know? So... I I never realized how aggressive flatheads were until we caught one trolling musky baits at like mm -hmm. five miles an hour. I, I have friends right now who, who are begging me. They're like, there's a bite happening too close to home. I won't say where they're like, you might be able to get one on a fly rod if you're real lucky, you know? <laughs> so <clears throat> I think flatheads are badass fish too. I like them <laughs> too, you know, but um, <clears throat> it's just my opinion. Uh, I, I mean, some Maryland biologists are the same thing. After 20 years of study, they're kind of saying like, ah, they shouldn't be here, but they have not been as detrimental to the, the, the ecosystem as we thought. In fact, in some areas that, that used to be ground zero, I've talked to some of the biologists down there, the, 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 the chief guy in particular, he's like, their numbers are actually dwindling and, uh, you know, bass fishermen are killing a lot and, and some things have changed down there to where actually some areas where they thrived are now getting less conducive and they're seeing more bass and less snakes. Again, it's all sort of conjecture. And like you talk to this guy says one thing. There's no, but in my opinion, I haven't seen anything detrimental where I live. I think it's cool because I think the snakeheads almost run like kind of a vague parallel to the muskie. I mean, look back in the day, you were talking on the one that's my bar on Ben about uh, Johnny's muskie gun. Like, yeah. like 20, 30 years ago, people were shooting muskie in the head and they thought sure. they were attacking their kids on oh, the rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Even to this day, people still have that argument, like the muskie eat all our walleye. And that's like another story. We had a we had a buddy on this show a while ago who told us that Camden the, Glade, Camden Glade it, it, he's a biologist. He's doing uh, basically stomach regurgitation of muskies mm -hmm. in the Minnesota re region. And. Uh, you know, if anything, yellow perch is is what the muskies were feeding on. There was very little 
uh, walleye predation. Sure. And, and if anything, there was more walleye predation from largemouth or from largemouth bass than there was from muskies. It's the same story with gator gar in Texas. You know that the, the largemouth is so important to the fishing economy down there. Oh, those big ass gar eating all our largemouth. You know, those people do studies on them every year. You know, kill kill a, quite a few to do stomach contents. They mostly eat carp. Like there's, mm-hmm. you know, but you, you know, you're just not going to change minds on these. I've kind of, right. you know, I still preach the good word and and write about snakeheads and stuff. But you know, it's funny. It's people who don't live where they are that hate them the most. Mm-hmm. The people who live and fish where they are and see that interaction are the ones uh-huh. that are like, this is not that big a deal. No. You know? So now kind of splintering off of the snakehead and catch and release, you know, did you find a different ethos going from a field and stream organization to a meat eater organization where, like you said, the kind of the purpose of the meat eater organization was, Hey, this is a fish that, you know, we are harvesting these, these animals, so to speak. So eating the fish was a big part of it um, where a lot of the fishing world has turned to catch and release as being, sure. Uh, you know, just to, to keep populations thriving. So you know, where do, where are you on that? You know, uh, in terms of, do you, are you a big eating fish guy or, you know, where, where are you? Yeah, no, I, I am, but um, I, I sort of, I pick and choose my battles or my favorites, how, however you, however you want to call it. And, and for the record, you know, I don't want to say that was a struggle at Meat Eater. I knew that was that was part of their brand, right? So you you have to address that, and and I I made every effort to include that, particularly in video. Um, and I actually surprised myself. Like I did a, a show on pickerel, right? I've been fishing for pickerel my whole life. Never any particular interest in eating a pickerel. And somebody said, "Well, pickle it." So I did. And you know what? It was freaking delicious. Like that <laughs> that jar of pickled pickerel, outstanding. Like I would do that again. So, you know, but I, it, I, I will say that I know there are people who they fish for food. Like the, the notion of going out to catch and fight a fish and let it go just doesn't compute. It's like if I'm going out with a rod and reel, I'm doing so because I want fish in the freezer, fish on the plate. And I, I, I have no issue with that whatsoever. If that is your motivation and you're staying legal, there's not much I can say about that. And I think that is totally fine. But I always looked at it like... Um, you know, I think in some regards, it, it creates a disconnect with the hunting crowd, right? Because, look, there's no catch and release hunting. No such <laughs> right. thing. We have that option. Whether you agree with it or not, we have that option. As responsible fishermen who are not going to abuse a fish out of the water, we have that option. So I always looked at it. You know, I, I post a picture of a smallmouth bass. Did you eat that? No. Why? Didn't want to. And I always looked <laughs> at it like... You go to the grocery store, you buy food that excites you. You buy food that you want to eat. If I go tog fishing, black fishing in the winter, yeah, I want my limit because they're like one of my favorite fish. So I want my limit. I don't mind having some in the freezer. I'll make the chowder, make the fish do the whole nine. If I'm spending the money to go tuna fishing offshore, yeah, I want all three of my elephant because I might not do that again for two months or maybe not even again that season. Um, But, you know, I, I... I also I grew up so close to the coast and I'm still close to the coast that while I appreciate a good piece of walleye as much as anybody yellow perch, I've had it ice fish, especially ice fishing, cold water walleye out of the ice. This, that's delicious. I've done the southern crappie fish, fish fries. It's all outstanding. But when you you grew up as close to the salt as I did, if I catch a big walleye by accident on the river here, 
I, I'm, I'm letting it go because I probably already have some tog or I'm going flounder fishing or, or something. And it's just what I enjoy more and I have it available. Therefore, on my own, I don't eat a ton of freshwater fish, but I've never been the guy who's like, well, catch and release only, always. only. Right. I don't. I don't agree with that either. You know, like that, that's, that's not right either. So if, if that is somebody's motivation and it's like, Hey, I, I want to eat that smallmouth tonight, dude, eat it. That's, that's totally cool. But that's not one that I choose to eat. You know, I don't need the meal that bad. That's what I thought it was cool. The, uh, the Mahi episode you did. Yeah. Like it's just something you never think about, like even being a, a fishery and then, yeah, well, people don't realize they're that far north. And I mean, you want to talk about a, a fish for the freezer filler? That's the one. They're one of the fastest growing fish in the ocean. Their average lifespan is four years. They're breeding like year round. So if you want a guilt free feed, like a good one, man, yeah. you go out and fill a box with chicken dolphin. Even if they're 12, 14 inches long, it's like you don't have to feel guilty about that. Delicious. Really? Like, wow. no... That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, they're one of the fastest grow. I think the world record was like 84. Four pounds, I want to say, and they figured that fish was five. Like that was an exception. So yeah, they're they're they they live fast and die young, and they're they're so abundant that plus uh, they're just so ugly. You don't feel bad about killing them. Oh, I think they're beautiful, <laughs> man. Come on, is that those my my dolphin or whatever is that yeah, what like dolphin yeah, those yeah. like yellow Love and face. blue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I, looks like they swam into a wall. I yeah, the charter out of North Carolina. My dad and I, one time years ago, we were catching some of those things. They're delicious. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yep. That's yep. the thing about you, though, Joe. You, you've you said before yourself, you don't consider yourself like an expert in anything. You've just bumped shoulders with a lot of like really talented people. And yeah. I think from that, though, you've learned like a lot of shit. Like you just you just rattled off like more species than I've ever fished for in my life. You're like, oh, I'll go catch these. I'll fill the freezer with these. Like, so getting into like the musky, what about the musky makes it so challenging for you? Because I mean, you're the you're a man who's conquered damn near everything with a tail and water. So why why was the muskie not just another thing where it was Joe C went out for a day, filmed an episode, and caught his muskie? Because because again, dude, muskies don't play like that. You don't deserve yep. that. You can't yep. do that. You know, it doesn't work that way. Um, you know, I, I will say this. Uh, I, I've said this on a few shows, and I, I truly mean it. I think, uh, given my love of, of stripers and stuff like that, if I had been born and raised in Minnesota or Wisconsin, if that's that's what I had, hundred percent, I would have been a muskie fiend. Like I, w without a doubt, like that would have been my fish. Um, and I, I joke about putting the time in and I don't deserve that, but I really do mean that. I mean, I have su uh, such, such respect for the diehard musky guy. And I know a lot of these dudes fly and conventional. Um, and I, I understand the game and it is truly one of those fish where, you know, you, sh you show up, especially trying to get something out of it, like a video to be the man. You have to go into it looking like I don't care how good the conditions are, or how bad, like I just need to get lucky here. And I've gotten lucky a couple times um, to this day. If I'm not mistaken, the musky fly episode where Rich Han, you mentioned my buddy from yeah. Sims, zero hour. I mean, the hell that we went through, the miles that we put on to film that. And at the zero hour, he gets it. You have. 11 minutes of nothing for one minute at the end of glory. And it is still one of the most watched and most referenced hook shots videos ever. 
I think that was also timing. I mean, if you look back, I don't remember exactly what year that was, but you had your pioneers back then, your Brad Bowens, and you know, your guys who were, were really pioneers of musky fly fishing. But as something in your face that a ton of people were doing, I don't think they were yet. So there was also that element of like, whoa, like you can do, like people do this, you can do this. It was, it was sort of the right timing. So that, that turned into a win. And then like, I was the hero. I didn't catch it, but like, man, like Joe went and did all that and got his video. Mm -hmm. And then the next few times, like I didn't, and you, you don't <laughs> see, you guys get it because you fish for him. Mm -hmm. the, you edit the thing down. It's like, you don't see the 20 minutes of me sitting on the bank, like smoking a cigarette going, fuck this. I should have never, why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> Stupid idea. You suck. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. This is ridiculous. Like I'm on my phone texting people like what other show can we get together at home next week? Cause this shit just ain't working out, man. Like, you don't see that, but that's how it was. The second one we shot uh, with also with Robert Hawkins, very good friend of mine. I'm sure you guys, you know, know what he did. He holds the, the fly record, that beast of a fish. We, we, we tried to go back for the second round of glory in October, a few years later. And he was like, dude, October, come on out, done, donezo, October, it's all done, you got it. <laughs> but no, because the week before they'd caught like six, his crew had caught like six, they were all out scouting. Every every dude from that fly shop at a different lake, you know, cold front. Nobody, nobody caught a muskie that week anywhere that we were aware of. Like I had one follow in three days and um, that was that was a tough shoot. And you end up with the finished product. You get the episode and, and people, we relay the heartache, but you'll never see the entire four days of like laying awake at night because even though hook shots was, was totally, you know, fun and kind of free form and punk rock, like money was still on the line. Time was still on the line. You know, like you go away, you've allotted this time. You worked really hard to schedule this out and be there. And that's happened to me several times. I could rattle off several great episodes that were complete make goods. Nobody knows that, but I mean, it's some true insider shit. Like Tom, I don't know if you remember, I filmed one on uh, rare and Bay for stripers with Eric Kerber and his yeah. cousin. Mm -hmm. And we just pounded the piss out of these giants on shads. It was like drop boom, dude. The day before that I was on the Susquehanna river trying to film smallmouth on the fly. It cold snapped and snowed the night before the temperature dropped like 35 degrees and I'm out there flinging a Clouser minnow in like 40 degree water going, there ain't no way in hell this shit's about to go down right now. So while I'm on a drift boat, I'm texting Eric, like what's going on? And he's like this. And I got two days tomorrow. I'm like, I'll be there. I, I was like the dude I was with. I was like, sorry, dude, taking you back to the airport. I don't figure your shit out. I got to go. So <laughs> nobody knows that. But that was a that was a makeup. I'll, I'll, several of the local, real true local shows I did were because something went totally fugazi on the road and didn't work out. So, you know, after a while, it's like, oh, man, muskies. I want it, but I know mm -hmm. the pain. I just kind of like your arch nemesis is the yeah, vibe that I get. Exactly. What like when you go out fly fishing for muskies, what are you throwing for flies? Um. God, you're like you're like you're looking for names as if I know all like the Buford, double deceivers like, like, and stuff. No, big shit. no big stuff with a lot of the like the mushroom flared Buford style head. I think they call that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll be completely honest with you. Every single time I fly fish for muskies, 
as long as I like the way the fly is moving in the water, I don't change it because I don't believe it matters. Like it's either going to get in front of a fish that it tweaks it. And then and you guys may disagree. And I'm actually curious to hear if you disagree. But like I even look the same thing with brown trout. You know, I'm big into throwing big flies for brown trout. People are always like, well, right. what's the fly? I'm like, dude, if it's the right size and like wiggling nice, you get it in front of one that's ready to go. He's probably going to go. So it's not like I have this huge, you know, box of like all these musky. I got a handful of musky flies. I know I like the way this one swims. When in doubt, throw white, like, you know, white, whatever. <laughs> yep. um, and as long as they look good, I, I, I think it's getting in front of the right fish more than the fly. That's just I agree. my opinion. We, we've talked about that before. Like the, the musky's yeah. a predator. Like it's not looking at your lure and analyzing it. Like, oh, that doesn't have foil scale patterns on it. Yeah. And it's it's eight inches long and it's spring and I'm only supposed to eat six inch lures. I'm not eating that. Yeah. Like you're, I, it's a predator. You're, you're trying to piss it off. You're trying to make it think that's getting away from me. I got to eat that. Yeah. We all have different habits. Like, you know, uh, you, you kind of get, I, I, I tend to get into a habit of throwing one thing or a couple things that I'm real comfortable with, where I know if I believe Ryan goes through a hell of a lot more baits when he's casting, oh, yeah. or I, you know, I kind of stick with a couple, like Joe was saying that I, I see in the water and then I, that's showing up good to my eye. And I'm going to stick with those and hope that it gets in front of a fish. And, you know, whereas, you know, some guys will just switch and switch and switch and switch until something goes. Sure. I did. I did that. My my friend, Mark Madosky, who was in the Allegheny episode, he turned me on to the Castaic trout. I mean, this was like way back, you know, when that when that stuff was mm -hmm. just sort of getting popular. So, like, I caught two muskies on the Castaic trout with him. So then from there on out, I was like, well, give me that Castaic trout. Like, I don't I don't give a shit if it's a different day. Like two of them ate that damn thing before. So I, I, get, I get stuck in that rut, too, you know? I feel like there's something to say here about, you know, like confidence, like, like Joe, you're talking about, you're confident in that fly. You're not going to take that off. Like sometimes where I struggle is like finding that specific bait that I feel confident in. And if I mm -hmm. find that bait, whatever it is, then I'll stick with it for a while. You know, I might even throw it all day. And uh, I, th I think that's like, that's interesting to me because I do switch a lot but I don't think it's like color or profile. Right? I think it's more like in my head, like I feel good about throwing this right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, like, I feel like if you caught a Brown on a fly, you'd catch a muskie on that same fly. Like, well, okay. Okay. But, but funny story about that. There's another river. I fish <laughs> often, often, like it's one of my favorite rivers. I'm not going to name it on here. Great Brown trout fishery. There's also muskies in there. It's also a lot of little ones. Like I'm not talking about giants. Yeah. I'm talking about the little ones that ain't quite as smart as the big ones. And no friends bycatch. Mine, yeah. Friends of mine go there and they're like, I was throwing a woolly bugger. His musky came out of nowhere. I'm like, <laughs> really? Yeah. Four times caught four of them. Not once, dude. Not once ever have I gotten the bycatch musky there. I'm just tainted on it. There's muskies in the Delaware here. Friends, the same thing. Most of them that are caught here, there's very few guys locally that are really dedicated. Every once in a while, I'll see a dude out there in a jet, like hucking the big stuff. He he's in. Most of the ones that get caught here are on spinner baits and chatter baits and and little poppers or whatever in the summer for smallmouth. I've been fishing this river for basically 35 years, and I've yet to get my bycatch local muskie. 
Well, it goes both yeah. ways there too, though. You have, if you're fishing for muskies, that's always when I catch my biggest walleye. That's mm -hmm. like you said, I think that's when you caught your biggest largemouth on the fly was muskie fishing. Like ridiculous. And that was out of a public lake that, you know, like a million yokels are out there in a kayak uh, trying to catch soaking the, senkos the, the and... five big largemouth that live in there. Mm -hmm. And like, I catch one on a fly that's like 15 inches long. I was like, you gotta be, you gotta be kidding me. It goes both ways there. And I, these guys know there's a lake here in particular with tiger muskie. It drives me insane. I waste my whole summer there trying to get my trophy tiger and then some jackass in the winter always catches it on like a tungsten jig with like a maggot he cracks like a 48 inch tiger ice fishing through like yeah. an eight inch hole tiger muskies i don't like them either people are like oh they're very easy <laughs> like yeah yeah no they're well, not you had a little experience with tiger muskie right you I, I know you went to film a show and you got to see a ton of them anyway now did that did that kind of bolster your confidence or did that shatter it or oh man i, I had to think on what you're talking about uh, you, uh, you're talking about on the west coast on merwin yeah yeah, I think you're fly fishing for tigers in the clear water. And I, I remember that episode. You got to just see fish after fish. And it, was that heartbreaking or did that give you some confidence? Like they're looking at my flies. Like Tom remembers stuff I've long forgotten. That took a minute for me to. Yeah, I, I'd be careful ever giving him your home address or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, that's five, five, five. I warned I warned Joe full disclosure before the show. I said, I'm going to hit you with some stalker questions. And I, I I've been up binge watching hook shots, the old hook yeah. shots all week. So so that is actually even older. Maybe that I mean, that's man, that's so long ago. Uh, the, the, the thing with that show was I was out there sturgeon fishing. So that, mm -hmm. that was the main deal. And that's what we were primarily filming. And we did great. And Ed, Ed Walzer was the guy. He just happened to be hanging around camp. It was sponsored by Cabela's. He just like lofted it like, oh, I do this thing on Merwin. I fly fish for tiger muskies. And we were like, huh? that's kind of cool. <laughs> but again, it, it was it felt so novel. You know, I, I didn't look at it like whereas whereas when I went with the Bob Mitchell's fly shop crew, by the time we got to that point, it had become a thing. It's like, oh, these guys are tying this leader and there's this line and they're making these crazy flies. That dude out there, he just put some chicken feathers on a hook and kind of went for it. Like, so it was very like sort of muted, like a lot more messing around. And I mean, the sturgeon fishing is awesome, but you do it for a couple of days. It's like, ah, another one, another, I'll be on the rod for another hour. Mm. So we were like, sure. But I don't know how to describe, I hope I'm translating what I'm saying. Like I went into that with zero expectation and it didn't really feel like super dialed. He's like, well, I just use my trusty eight weight and, I, you know, so it was cool. Saw a ton of them. Couldn't get one of them to eat. Um, but it was a much it was much more sort of messing around and hoping mm -hmm. versus trying it again later in Minnesota, where it's like, OK, now this is a mission. And there are some yeah. dudes here who like this is what they do all over the place. You know, yeah. so, um, of course, it was heartbreaking. That's definitely one of those, yeah. Like the the like pop up, like oh, by the way, this bite's happening while you're out here. Yeah. The yeah. no stress, you already got your yeah your footage for the exactly. Main. It wasn't making or breaking me. If it right. was a complete fail, it wasn't making or breaking me. You know? Right. I mean, like I was thinking though, like starting out, like I know my I'm thinking back to like my first year musky fishing. In that one trip on Lake Merwin, fly fishing for tigers, you probably got to see more musky than I saw my entire first year of musky fishing. And I'm wondering, like in clear water like that, does that just destroy your confidence? Or are you like, oh my god, they're never going to eat it? Like if I'm seeing this fish follow my fly and turning off, like like I'm never going to catch it. Or does that give you the confidence, like, hey, I'm doing something right. This fish is investigating, like. 
that gave me zero confidence. And I'll, t- I'll tell you why. <laughs> because since then, I've, I have had uh, muskies move on flies, both locally and on the road, much more aggressively. Where in mm. my head, I thought, he might actually eat that damn thing. Like for a hot second, I was like, this could be it. Those fish, Merwin, as I remember it, super deep. So you have this really shallow little lip, like where there might be some 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 deadfall or stumps or whatever. But it's very short and then it just just plummets off to nothing. So you're fishing this perimeter and these fish have this real they want to be up shallow. So they have this real short window. And Ed, who we were fishing with, he said it either is or it isn't here. In other words, they're either going to be on or they're not going to care. So the very first one, I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. But in hindsight, man, he had no fire. Like he came out and looked <laughs> at it, but five feet behind it very slowly. At one point, I think I filmed like the muskie just sat there and stared at a fly in the middle. So after the third one, it Getting was old. to me, it was like this ain't happening. And it mm-hmm. didn't. Like, I, I, I had enough intuition, even though I wasn't a muskie guy to know, like, like you said, they're either feeding or they're not. And mm-hmm. man, it must be badass to be here when these particular fish are just going to cut off the bank at anything that moves i didn't have that day that was not my day so you know that was a really cool we're actually i think in like two weeks from now we're going to have a guy from out there like a regular of the fishes lake merwin mm-hmm. on and he's going to try to school us on some tigers because i know i struggle with them out here too they're they're a different breed man it's they're I, different than a regular muskie i don't care I what gotta, anybody I, says I, I got a lake right down the street literally not 10 minutes that where everybody has caught one there except me tom like literally yep, same, like every, per, every person i boat. know has caught one there except me i've yep. tried i've seen one but yep I caught one with Donnie and it was probably about the size of the bait that Donnie hangs in the fall for the river muskie. It was, it was like pickerel size pretty much. That, that is my one criteria. When I do get this fly thing done, if it ever happens, as long as it breaks like 42, I can mic drop and be like, well, there, yeah. see, I did it. But then, but then I know it's going to be a, it's going to be a dinker. Like I know it, I know that's what's going to happen. And it's like, I still didn't get that done. I had that in my notes. You have a very specific goal, I know, because you've caught good muskie. I mean, you caught a, yeah. like a what four upper forty incher in Minnesota on uh-huh. here. You've caught, like you said, five or six other ones. Like, what? What's your specific goal here? What's your? What's the kryptonite I, of Josie? That no, I would. I would be if honestly, I said forty two. If I could break forty on the fly, I would be pretty satisfied with that. Now, I'm but close to home, correct? You kind of want to do it, or is I that don't, anywhere? I don't. I don't care. You don't care. I, I, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, all I, qualifiers I, slowly fade away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't care where you know. And there's a and I'd be curious if I if if and when will I mic drop or will I be like okay now I want a bigger one. I don't know. But there's also other criteria, and I, and I feel bad because I'm not trying to come down on, on anybody's program. But I've had a ton of people offer to take me, particularly locally, where it's like I got this spot, and I'm like, is it the drainage ditch behind a behind a reservoir like the, <laughs> and they're like yeah i'm like that's not where doesn't i want to be there dude yeah. like i like i don't i that doesn't count either because i i know that game you go enough times eventually you're going to throw it and he's going to eat it i don't, I don't want that either I you could, could also that's... go to that same spot with like a snoopy rod and and you know <clears throat> dangle a worm and you'll probably get a get yeah. a muskie at some point if you yeah. did it right those are the guys I, that I, I get handful you know handful of times a year it's like we got this hole i'm like ah mm. dude, i can't you know, not that's just not right. It's like disrespectful to the mu- you can't grip and grin that and then feel like I accomplished the thing, you know. It's not yeah, as satisfying pretty... as being surrounded by trash in Tom's favorite spot. 
yeah. holding up the muskie. That's okay. I and, and <laughs> that's I, dude, tra- we, we I, call I, it urban. I fish in yeah. some grungy Sorry. places, dude, on the regular. I so that doesn't bother me. Um, and I really, I really don't care where I get it. Although I will say, like, I'm just not a lake guy. I am the least mm-hmm. comfortable as an angler on a lake. Doesn't matter if it's muskies, but I don't really care. You put me on a river everywhere, anywhere in the world, whether it's for muskies or peacock bass in South, I don't care. Once you know how to read a river, you know how to read a river. So I've always felt the feels more river fishing for them for that very reason. It's like every new bend is fresh hope. You know, every new bend is different. It's, it's throwing, I mean, even conventional to that end, it's like out in that vastness for hours over, over top, top of that hydrilla and milfoil. It's like, Nothing is different. That's what was so impressive to me about, about Robert Hawkins fish. It was in the middle of Mille Lacs, just like hucking a fly into outer space. Like the odds of that are incredible, <laughs> you know? Well, we have a pretty, we have a pretty uh, strong fly musky community in locally here. And we're going to have a guy on uh, one of our, in a, I think maybe even ne- next, next week. week. Yeah. Who's, who's a, a a, a big time uh, you know he's a he makes a living guiding for muskies Still on the fly still had, yeah but i mean the pictures i see him posting and and i mean this guy's not catching small muskies this guy's catching and he it, like you said earlier like you got to kind of watch someone's feed to see whether there's like they're they caught two fish and they keep recycling the same pictures sure sure yeah. this guy's this guy's you know consistently putting nice size fish in the in the bag on a fly locally up there in northwestern pa so you know he's even lo- doing combo days he's going out and taking people for steelhead and musky like in the same day which i think is pretty freaking cool like that's mm. maybe maybe we see a link joe see up with his local fly guy eventually. yeah it's 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 interesting to see how the musky fly thing has developed because i, I i'm sure you guys agree there's no denying that now, even compared to five years ago, it seems like there's a lot more people not only doing it, but guiding that yeah. game too. Yeah. So not long before uh, the bent podcast wrapped up, we, we were doing this uh, sort of Q and a thing that Hayden Samick and I, my co-host did. And, you know, we, we would take listener questions and, and sort of filter them and, and answer a few on the show. And one that came across my desk, I remember was um, side scan sonar. Does it have a place on a drift boat? And it was a musky dude. And I knew exactly what he was saying, because I also know that some of these games have become go to the hole, scan the hole, see the musky in the hole, beat on the hole for a while, leave and come back knowing fish is in the hole. And it's just a matter of, of being, being here there. when he decides to turn on. And it was like a question of ethics. Like, is that is that OK? And it, it doesn't particularly bother me, but I almost see that like you know you look at some of these guys who they're 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 like oh this is so glorious like i guide muskies and you know we we catch we catch a ton of them but you know you can always just like like peel the onion and make an argument for everything well who's more valiant the guy flowing you know floating a straight piece of river covering eight miles and doing it old school or the guy who's got the little jet engine on the stealth craft and he's hole hopping you know so it's just that that's social media for you, but I feel like that's where we are. It's like, man, you can nitpick anything, but I do think it's interesting how many more people are doing that and how, how that game has even been adapted a little bit, which tells me that people want to do it. So what's the inclination in guiding you, you figure out how to make it easier for people to get what they want, you know? Right. 
I want to know too, what's the fascination with the fly rod? Because you're honest, you've admitted you're, I, there's an article out there I found and the title is in many fishing scenarios, a fly rod is a better tool for the job. This is not one of them. So you're, you're very honest that a fly, you're, by starting off with a fly rod, you're kind of like trying to start a fire with two sticks instead of using the lighter. So what, why do you want to do it on the fly instead I, of just grabbing the bait caster and cranking a 50? Like I've, I've never had anybody do this much solid homework. Like I'm almost scared. It's called, it's called stalking about, yeah. about like what quote the dude's going to pull out next. You got to keep in mind that you sprung this early. On. You, I was he just going to say that. Yeah. He did this better. in just like 24 hours, man. He, didn't originally even have a week to prep this. yeah so for anyone listening that doesn't know we we had this plan for like two weeks in advance and then joe hits me with the me- we had a little scheduling issue joe hits me with the message well why don't we do this thing tomorrow sorry and i said <laughs> no i said great but holy shit man i went into panic mode i was like i gotta do my joe c research ah <clears throat> i just want us all homework Mom's been chewing Adderall all night. (laughs) You can't see the floor right now, but it's covered in Red Bull cans. I got papers crumbled up, thrown all around the room. I just want to say I didn't do any homework on this one because I've been really busy at work. But I want to point out that Owen corrected me earlier. Whenever I said the Hook Shots podcast, he said Bent. It was actually the Hook Shots podcast. No, that, that existed too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. there was a there was an episode JC and EK's farewell, which I that think was our was last, last one. Yeah. And the reason I don't I don't know why I've been trying to work my way through these over the last probably I don't know what what has it been, Tom? Like eight, ten probably months? Probably a year now, maybe a year or something like that. And I've I finally reached the end. And I, I, I was just like, I had to point that out that I didn't, I, I didn't say <laughs> hook shots and mean bent. So okay. there. I want Joe to answer that question, but you mentioned the last hook shots episode. And I got to admit real quick that I may or may not have uh, gotten a little choked up and shed a tear on uh, the last episode of hook shots. Hey man, that, I'm not going to give you a hard time for that. I'm not the only one. I know there were more be- people because so did I, dude. I mean, yeah. look, I, it, it was, it was, it was hard to see that go. Um, but I didn't own it. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm transparent dude. Like I didn't own the name hook shots. I made that for somebody else. It couldn't come with me. I don't own the name bent. I don't own the name B side. So, you know, it's very hard to leave these things. Cause I go all in. I want to build a community. I want to have the rapport. I want these things to grow, but I've been in a couple scenarios where it's like, I, this isn't growing the way I want and I have no power over it anyway. We'll get off of that because that was a great question. And I'm impressed that you dug that far. God knows when I wrote that. But that is absolutely <laughs> true to, for somebody to say a fly rod is the better way to catch a muskie. That's They're that's lying. ridiculous. But I think for me, it was I, first of all, I just I love fly fishing and I do love Esox, all of them. Like I, I love chain pickerel. That's another one. Like I shout their praises like pickerel don't get enough love. Right. Um, and I adore northern pike. And this could be blast for me here. But if somebody was like, you got 20 grand to spend, you could go to the best musky, whatever, or you could go to the best pike, whatever. Sorry, I'm going pike. When I've been all over the I've been all over the damn world. One of my top three best trips was the Cree River Lodge in northern Saskatchewan. Dude had the only rights to guide 200 square miles of water. Holy hell. I mean, it was just it was just insane. And they eat like that's that's mm-hmm. really the thing. Like they just eat the food. It's like Tina, you know, eat your food, yeah. Tina. Like the pike just <laughs> eat the food, you know. They don't so, think at all. Yeah, so they're still big and bunch, but I love fly fishing and I I love all the east. So it just seemed natural. Like that's something I would like to do. That's something I should do. Um, 
but not I, I never saw myself going all in like I'm going to be a musky fly fiend. It would just be a nice thing to check off and be like, yeah, did it. Cool. You know, so but um, there are scenarios in, in, in a lot of fisheries where a man, a fly rod can absolutely be the better tool for mm. the job. I don't know one of them in the musky world. I mean, just based on the amount of cast you have to make on a given day. It's yeah, a handicap. I mean, yeah, I, 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 you know, you, you, you come down a mile of river if you, if you compared the, the amount of presentations I made versus you guys with a bait caster, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's, it's gonna like pale in comparison. And I mean, talking bait casters, we're dealing uh, the musky reels have come such a long way. Now your average bait caster is picking up 40, 50 inches of line per crank. Yeah, you translate that to a flyer. I mean, how, how are you gonna strip 50 inches of line per strip? Like, yeah, no, it's uh, it's, but but that is also I I, I understand. I, I don't think it's the best tool, but if somebody's mm. ate up with that and that's their mission, total respect. Yeah, I get oh, that sure. too. Like I get it. I do. Um, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a pike guy. <laughs> <laughs> and in PA, I think, I mean, like guys out West Wisconsin, Minnesota, they hate the pike, but I mean, I don't know about you guys, but here in PA, I kind of welcome the pike. We don't have them like the guys out West or the guys up North. So big 35 inch pike around here is like, Oh, cool. Yeah. Like, I'm and, not as angry. Yeah. I don't have any real trophy stuff, but I don't know. Maybe you saw the B side. You like urban stuff. You should come out here and fish the Passaic. Oh right? yeah. I mean, you want to talk about grungy, like <laughs> nasty, um, but it's PCBs. And it's cool. Oh, PCBs. That's nothing. I'll smear them on a sandwich. That's nothing compared to that's like the that's like the that's like the light stuff, you know, in the Passaic. God knows what's in there. It's like, you know, it's a buffer zone the whole way because it's all floodplain. So there's not a lot of construction right along the banks, which makes it like a lawless land going back to, you know, 1920, whatever. It's like, who knows what the mob and every contractor and every everybody. It's just like, yeah, you don't need that. Just dump it on the river somewhere. Who knows what's in that soil? Yeah, I think it was you was were telling. I think it was in the Delaware where you found the gun. Was it was that yeah, you that found the gun? Yeah, that was right down the street. Yeah, it was. It was uh, was that nice Trenton? Roughly? Uh, yeah, roughly. Roughly. Um, the only reason I bring this up, my wife's, well, whatever, brother-in-law, they just or his son wanted to name their next son, and he came up with the name Trenton. And that's all I could think of. That's terrific. <laughs> that's terrific. Trenton Pride. No, that's fine. Uh, but yeah, it was it was on the PA side of the river, but directly across from Trenton. And um, you know, when I when I found it. It was like right in a gap in the trees on River Road, and it just seemed like the perfect chucking distance. So that's where my head went, and I turned it into the police and all that. But I, I'm not a big time gun guy. I have a few, but that's not really my my deal. But I have friends who are very into that, and I sent him the picture, and he's like, "Man, that that was like a three thousand dollar Smith and Wesson Airlight designed with some kind of crazy metal for concealed carry." He's like, "I I hate to shatter the mystique, but." It could have been hot. I mean, no doubt. But he's like, better chance somebody was out there striper fishing at high water in the spring, showing it off and in the drink it went, you know. So it's kind of sorry. I found out later I could have claimed it. Like I could have told the cops if nobody claims that, like I could have had it. I didn't know that till too late. There you go. You know, you Up know. on vintage eBay. Yeah, right. Hey, I, I got a question about this book that I have in my hand. I kind of like showed this to you guys earlier, but I have the Field and Stream, the Essential Fishing Handbook. I'm holding mm -hmm. by Joe C and, and the editors of field and stream, mm -hmm. you know, this, I gotta be honest with you. Like 
I, I consume as much as I possibly can when it comes to like just fishing in general. Like I want to read everything I possibly can, not just about muskies at times, you know, like this book, I don't even know, like, do you know how long ago you wrote this? Well, you, so you're going to love this. That book you're holding in your hand, I've never held a copy. I've never seen that before. And I'll tell you why. Because what, what I wrote was the total fishing manual years ago, right? And the way it works, uh, the company that owned Field and Stream owned the publisher. So I did the total fishing manual, which was very successful. Like it's still one of the, the best-selling fishing books. Um, but then the, well, they own the rights to all the material. And the way they make their money is to keep re-spinning it and sort of repackaging it. And like this year, we'll call it the essential whatever and okay. hire a freelancer to add three new tips. And now it's new, right? I still get the royalties off all of them. So I'm so happy that you purchased that. But like, <laughs> dude, there have been so many generations of that book since the first one came out. I can't even keep up. At one point, they whittled it down to like some pocket guide, like stock and stuffer. And people yeah. are like, I love your. Th I'm like, I don't even know where the hell did you get that? <laughs> so the original. Yeah. So how yeah. long was the original then? Like, how when did you write the original? I want to say 2014. Okay. 2013, something like that. It was the total fishing manual first, um, you know, and then, and then and it was an interesting book project because it was actually a lighter lift than other book projects because really the first part was just, I went through 12 years of field and streams and like pulled like, okay, this tip would work, this would work. And then it was my job to go in and rewrite them and trim them up to make them fit. But that was only about 40% of the content. I had to come up with 60% new to fill it out. And it, it was a pain at the time. I was like, I don't feel like doing this, but dude, then I, they knew how to market that. That was in like every Walmart and Costco. And I, I, I still can't believe how I'm, I'm happy. So many people have given me great feedback because they, it, it is easily digestible the way it's broken down. You don't have to read it front to back. It's all broken up into these short sections and tips. So in hindsight, it was a really smart book but I kind of did it a little begrudgingly and then it came out and I was like, Oh, I want, can I do the fly fishing one, which kind of tanked, but that's okay. The total fishing manual. <laughs> I, I I've seen this book, at least, you know, several iterations. Like you, you know, talked about that pocket manual. I, I literally yeah. probably like, I don't even know. It's probably five, six years ago. I had it in my hand and I was just going to buy it to like throw in my bag. Yeah. You know, and it's like, but I mean, it's just, this is one of those things where, you know, there's different levels like as an angler, you progress, like every year you progress, you get better, whatever it is you're doing. And I feel like these books and these tips, you know, this is one of those things like after reading this, you know, Tom, Tom brought up about like, I didn't know about hook shots. Like I read your books and your articles and like, you can Google search anything. You can, you can do a Google search on like, what's the best trout or steelhead baits. And yeah. I literally, I've read your article pops up. Exactly. It's like, it's funny though. Cause it's true. Like, and I, I've literally read, I've walked into Walmart with like that article on my phone and just picked random baits that were on your list. That's, that's awesome. That's, I, you know, you bring up that book. Um, there, there was a kid on Instagram who was just sending me, uh, maybe he'll listen to this and he'll know who he is. He's, he's big into the carp scene and he's big into fly fishing for carp, which I also love to do. And he's sending me all these pictures of these carp and this little video. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome, man. Good fish. And he's like, number 13 in your book has been a lifesaver. <laughs> and I'm like, I have this idea. That's what I'm that. getting at, So I dude. had to go pull one out of the closet. I'm like, what was tip 13? And it was about like 
never choking up on fly rod. Like the, the cork grip is there for a reason because that is where the rod is supposed to flex from. And I'm like, ah, all right. Tip that's number a, 13. That's exactly what I'm saying. I had no idea what it was. I was like, tip 13. Yeah. There's so many of those in these books, though. Like guys yeah. that are just even just getting, you know, how many people started fishing over the pandemic? Yeah. Like there was nothing else to do, like at times. And these people are going out and they might have bought your book and they might have looked at this and picked up a tip. But like me as a yeah. progressional angler, like, it, it's probably one of the more useful things I've read just I, from a flat I, fishing standpoint. No. And I, I appreciate that so much, man. Again, I, I give it a little bit of a hard time because at the time, like a younger me was like, you know, it kind of wasn't like, Hey, can you write this book? It was like, Hey, you're going to write this book. And I'm like, Oh man. But <laughs> I, I, I see it more now and I've gotten so much great feedback and I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that, that people have clung to it. Another thing they love to do though, every once in a while, like one of these discount stores, I don't know if you guys have like Ollie's out there. Oh you know, yeah. Love Ollie's. Dude. Every time I get these pictures, like your books in Ollie's for $2. Oh. I'm like, well, did you buy one? I don't care. You know, I don't care. I don't even care if it's in Ollie's. I don't care. Listen, Ollie's has some good shit. I, Ollie's I always is send the bomb, these, dude. I always send these guys pictures, man. They had like they, in ours, they have the granted, they have some weird shit. Like I live in Pittsburgh and they have like rubber squid and stuff, but sometimes you'll find some gems at Ollie's. I found some Panther Martins at all like dude it's a place I went to in, get cast nets i went yeah. in and bought like 35 bags of four inch senkos slightly off colors <laughs> like not like the green pumpkin you wanted not the hot ones yeah they're like two bucks a piece i'm like they're still yamamoto senko yeah. there's nothing wrong with these nothing wrong with that it's man it's a great store it's a great store that's fine It'd be thrifty yeah well, I mean, getting back into the musky thing, I mean, like we, we kind of talked about this a lot, but you fish for so many different things. And I was wondering, this is like something I've been thinking about for a while. So if you want to catch a big fish, like a hard fighting fish, I mean, muskie's one of them, but muskie it isn't necessarily the biggest fish. It isn't necessarily the hardest fighting fish. Like you have alligator gar, you have blue cats, flathead cats. Like what about the muskie draws so many fishermen? Is it, it can't, I mean, the size, yeah. it's a big fish, but they're bigger fish. They're harder in, fighting fish. In, in my opinion, I'll give you a real honest answer to that. Um, because I think it's, it's in a lot of ways, it's the same with Pike, dude. It's all the hit. Frankly, after yep. the hit, I mean, look, I, I've, 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 I've talked about this before, right? So I watch musky fishermen and you, you're fishing for that hit, whether it's figure mm -hmm. eight or out, it doesn't matter. Like that's, that's the adrenaline as I see it. Boom. After that, Y'all want the damn thing in the net in 0.2 seconds. You know what I mean? The drag <laughs> is cranked down and mm -hmm. you're going to winch that fish in, which I fully understand, right? Like you don't want to injure the fish. You want to get the fish back. I get it. But I always found an irony in that because you're chasing this thing because here's this big, bad brawler in fresh water, but nobody lets him brawl, dude. Nobody's mm -hmm. loosening the drag or throwing, you know, the light spinning gear to increase the fight. Well, yeah, I was going to say Ryan Reed does because he uses a medium ugly stick with 20 pound braid <laughs> on it. That's this guy right here. So, to, and, 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 and I'm not saying that, you know, in a negative way. Uh, that's just my opinion. There are certain fish, snakehead, very huge similarities to muskies. Now, your percentages are much better. Like you'll catch more in a day, but it's very similar. Like you are, you are out there hunting for these 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 fish and you see that wake coming and you're like oh shit he's on it and then you stop and he toilet flushes and when you hit that some bitch he goes ballistic out of the water <laughs> just ballistic after that dude you you can't give him anything because they have these rock hard mouths the hooks will fall right out of it so after that 
you just winch them in. And they, after that first thrash, they don't do a whole lot. Still awesome. Still a very cool experience. But um, I, I think that's what it is. And I also just think what ties to that, you know, seeing a 45-inch pike eat, badass, totally cool. But you have to factor in the time and dedication to getting the damn muskie to eat. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I get it. It's double adrenaline. It's this sick hit or this figure eight hit. But also, how long did you work to get to that yeah. moment? That's I cool. Know, you know, yeah. that makes it. I get it. A lot of our listeners are on the newer end, I would think, of the musky fisherman, a musky fishing game. And I think that's a very daunting hurdle to someone to look at to say, hey, I I've have to put in this many hours to, to have the chance. And a lot of guys kind of throw up their hands and say, I don't have that time. I don't have that dedication, whatever. But if you do it in, in you know, I guess that's why guys get so hyper focused on musky because you can't you almost can't take it. If you really want to catch a big musky, you, you kind of can't take a day off and go fish for something else. You can like we like, uh, but if you if you're really dedicated to it and you mu- catching a musky is your thing, it's really hard to 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 do much else. Yeah, I, well, and I, I've always wondered, not that you'd be ever ever be able to quantify it, but like, how many people that turned into musky junkies completely whiffed their first time versus saw one? Because I do believe most of the time to get somebody hooked into any fishery, I don't care what it is. Unless you're just hell bent on this is my thing, something often has to happen. Like the first time I ever went musky fishing, specifically not bycatch, like we are here to catch musky. I saw one. I moved one. It was a weak follow. It was a deep weak follow. But just that was enough to be like, okay, I really at some point want that on the end of my line. So that's one of the things that's always intrigued me. Often I think that that some guys who are newer and and like. Uh, kind of get really ate up with muskies really fast. It's like, are you the dude that rolled down and caught one in forecast? Because you can be that guy too. Like they, like yeah. you, I'm sure well, all you guys know that guy too. Uh-huh. Well, Owen kind of is that guy. If we're going to be honest, he went to Canada on like his first big musky trip, cracked a 52 incher, and that's how 54? he got. That's 54. 50, or yeah, yeah, 54. Right. Sorry, yeah. sorry to short you there, Owen, on your 50. No, I, oh yeah. Hey, that's how I got. That's how I got in. That's that was the fish that like really got me i i had caught a number of muskies i'd caught at least probably a dozen muskies prior to that point but obviously that's uh that that's a life changer right there and 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 yeah i mean from from that point forward i was hooked and i decided that's what i was going to going to fish for from there on out and i really haven't looked back yeah yeah i was just gonna say i'm basically the complete opposite in that because i I think I fish more than anybody here for muskies, and I'm pretty sure every one of them's caught bigger muskies than me. So. <laughs> well, that's what we said earlier. If you want to catch a big muskie, you go bass fishing. If you want to catch a big bass, you go muskie fishing. <laughs> yeah. See, yeah. Donnie's the guy you need to go with because the other people in his boat catch right. monsters. That's mm-hmm. true. And Donnie just nets them. Yep. That's very right. true. Yeah. Donnie netted a fifty, a fifty plus already this year. There, there you go. So here's one for you guys, right? I'll spin it around. I'll ask a question because I brought this up on a podcast once and I caught a bunch of hell for it. <laughs> Trolled muskies count. No count. Oh, Joe, wow. man. We, we, that's the beauty of this right here is all five of us never really agree on shit. And this is a very divided topic here amongst us. Uh, well, I mean, for the Not question, very, but... troll, trolling fish, uh, yeah. you know, absolutely. They, they, they 100% count. count, 100% count. So now, wait, because we I, have, can I interject for one second? 
Yeah, go ahead. Because I, I, uh, I want to clarify the question real quick. Are you saying, like, if I went out on my boat <clears throat> trolling myself and caught a fish, are you saying, like, a trolled fish caught with someone else or something like that? Because I think what, there's a caveat there. What I'm saying is driving around with lines out, whether it's on a charter boat on St. Clair, okay. doing it yourself, versus standing on that bow with your foot on the trolling motor and blasting casts and working lures all day. Now, I, I definitely think I definitely say they count for sure. But I do think there's something to go in with someone else and not putting in any time or work. Right. Be so that's a rod so, watcher versus right, driving the boat. Right. So so the guy who puts no time in on muskies but books that trip and gets a 54 while he's cruising around on some big lake on a bay liner, like does he like is the glory there in your guy's eyes for that fish? No. no. Not the other, but I mean, but I think it depends uh, on the person. If if that's what you wanted to do, if all you wanted was your big to hold your big muskie, then I think that's cool. Yeah. But like for me, pers like I always, me and Donnie get into it sometimes here because he's hardcore troller, I'm hardcore caster. Uh, I'm so, not a hardcore troller. Well, no, but you know, you know <laughs> what I mean, Donnie. <laughs> you know what I, I mean, am, though. Can I? I can say I am hardcore to do whatever I have to do to catch exactly. A yeah. Right. Whatever time of year it is. When it's when it's time to troll, I'm hardcore. Let's go you, troll. You talk to any of the big time musky guys, they tell you if you're not trolling, you are missing fish. Like if you're not doing both, and if you're not competent at both, you're you're missing a huge get huge part of the whole musky. I'm gonna catch musky game. Can I? Yeah, say, and and I think what? Oh, no, God, man, sorry. No, no, I was gonna say to your point though, Joe. Like, I definitely look at my like fish that I've caught with charters. Like if I'm on a guide service, like. I definitely, I mean, I still count them because I hold the fish, but at the same time, they don't mean as much to me as like when I'm out there grinding, you know, and doing it myself. Like, I feel like there is something to be said there because if you go out and you get a fish and, and Owen, in your case, you were casting, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you're that, that charter is putting you in an area, but you still have to be, you have to do the rest. You still have to do the work. Like. If and, I'm that was on a after, charter, and that was oh, after six full days of my dad and I fishing, on on Lake Nipissing, just the two of us, my 70 year old father, and we put muskies in the boat, just the two of us. We caught yeah. we caught small muskies, but I know guys that went to that exact same lake and have gotten skunked. So my dad and I put two fish in the boat prior to ever even going with the guide. So I, I do want to put that caveat in there. Like this was not, oh, I went and fished with a guide for a week. I went and fished with my 70 year old father for a week yeah. in a little a uh, 15 foot boat and put two muskies in the boat and then went with the guide and, and caught the 54. Got it. It got everybody riled up. I was, that's, that's good. I have I just, a caveat. No, no good. Yeah. I, no, I was going to say, I have a caveat. I have a caveat to that too. Like to Donnie's point, I agree. Like you do what you have to do to catch the fish. I don't, I don't really like trolling for anything, but similarly, you know, I go out tuna fishing. I want to pop them. I want to jig them. Sometimes it just ain't happening for a million reasons. That bite's not there. Now I'm 70 miles offshore. I'm paying a shitload of money for gas. Yeah, put the spreader bars out like I want tuna in the box. But as soon as one eats it, I'm like, damn, I would have rather caught that on a jig. That's that's getting it done. But I, I think of it more like, you know, showing up and booking a trip and being like, we're just going to drink beers and cruise around here and yeah. not go through that pain of casting first or just just sort of defaulting to that always. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I kind of have my eye opening troll because up until last year, 
god honest truth i've never trolled for muskie until last season when i went with like donnie and i went with a couple buddies of mine and up until then i had pictured it in my head as we're gonna throw these lures out behind the boat and we're gonna drive until we catch a muskie but like seeing donnie's program and seeing like my buddy charlie's program like there's a different kind of art to it it might not be it might not be casting your bulldog and hitting like your target and convincing that fish to hit but there's definitely an art to like positioning that boat and knowing i mean shit I, i'm trying to troll this year by myself i can't even remember what four lures i have out well and the then donnie guys, donnie's got six guys, baits out he knows Tom where everything's running it. he's like all right I, this one's down five feet this one's down three feet let that one out two more feet like there there, there really is an art to it oh like, yeah, I, totally I, I mean, it's different than your uh, it's different than your t- like eerie walleye booze cruise like that's that's not yeah. what we're doing out there when we go out musky trolling you know there's a, there's an element of of some serious work and, and stuff that's involved in it but there still is and i know i've said this to tom when we've gone into our trolling and casting debates and whatever in the past like i'll i'll tell anybody if it, i would rather catch musky casting than catch sure. one trolling sure but i'd rather catch musky trolling than not catch one at all if sure. i'm going out and I get the opportunity to go out. Like, it's a tool in the arsenal. It's like know, having yeah. another load. Well, I want to know how to do it, and I want to know, you know, if there's a bite that I can go out and catch a muskie trolling, I want to know that bite, especially if it's local. I just had to ask because I never get to talk to five muskie dudes, so I'm like, well, this is the, this is the, we'll stir some sh- I feel like Donnie doesn't like me. Donnie, you still like me, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, like it. I think it's great. I think it's great. This is awesome. We we every day our text chat is like a heated debate because very very rarely do all five of us ever see eye to eye on anything and I, I yeah. think that's what I like is that everybody kind of has a different opinion. Like sure. Well, there are so many different ways to do it, and and there, mm-hmm. I was just gonna say before about the trolling thing. Like nobody, like there are guys that run planer boards, but there are guys out west in Minnesota that are running a mast system, like like the tuna tuna mast systems. Uh, you know offshore so they're doing something completely different with a totally really? different strategy oh yeah like a green um, stick for muskies i don't I'm, not that much i don't just, know the details yeah. he's talking like a like a great lakes planter board system like salmon gotcha gotcha i, okay. I, I think is what you're talking about right yeah yeah well, uh, board but, out each yeah not 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 the green stick joe's talking about but definitely yeah masts and so anyways the the point being that you know, even when you go down that trolling route, there are a million different doors that open up that, you know, people could say, oh, well, that's different than that trolling or, you know, it's less. And it's, it's all ridiculous with muskies. It's about trying to put the biggest fish in the boat that you possibly can. And and however someone chooses to do it, you know, is 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 the, the way that they choose to do it. I, I, I will say as much as I. You know, I, I get I get a hard time for making fun of walleyes and I get a hard time for busting on trolling. But deep down, I have respect for both and couldn't and couldn't agree more. Like, if you're happy trolling, troll them up, man. You know, mm-hmm. I just one of those things I, had to. Ask. I think trolling has has given me, a, you know, again, probably given a lot of us a better feel for the lakes that we fish mm-hmm. because we're some of these lakes are really big. So if you if you just went out and tried to cast all these spots, you could probably, you know, you know, not ever see it all, but if you control it around, you can map it with all your auto charting. Like we've talked about on some previous episodes, really get to learn the body of water. Um, That's some, another thing that trolling can do that, that you just don't, you don't get that global overview that you do with, you don't do, you don't get that global overview casting that you do trolling. 
I have a question for the group. This is only because it happened to me on Saturday. Ask away. This is the first time I ever we ever lost, or at least I I would blame myself for losing this fish. We were trolling, and we were kind of like going into the wind, and when this fish ate, and I went to slow the boat down, and just inadvertently slipped it into neutral. Oh. And Char and Charlie was like, "No, no, no! Forward, forward, forward!" So I went forward. And you put and it, that thing up on plane 40 no, miles an hour? No, I didn't. But in the time it took for me to go from essentially forward to neutral to forward, it slacklined so hard that the fish just shook the bait. Like, and it, it, you could clearly see what happened there. So I want to just point out, like, it, it's not just like driving around, too, because that's the first time, like, really the wind has kind of screwed me during a troll. And I was just curious, like Donnie, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever had a fish slack line on that? Oh yeah, that's those are those are lessons learned that don't come cheap sometimes. But yeah, it's you know there's there's all kinds of little stupid things that can happen out there. And you know, again, even when you're trolling, it's like you're still most of the time you're out there all day for one or two bites, and once they're hooked, there's a lot of things that can go wrong with muskies. We all know that until they're in the bag, they're not really, they're not in the bag. Sometimes that still isn't enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like how you it's, said about the little, little things that can go wrong there. I mean, Joe, you, you've been around long enough. You fished for all kinds of things. Like you don't call yourself a musky guy, but granted you've been musky fishing long enough and you fished long enough to, you probably seen some shit go wrong. Musky fishing. What would you tell like, the budding musky angler from your point of view, like maybe some pointers, like off of things that you saw. Oh God, I'd be a horrible person to ask for pointers. It's just be terrible. I don't think so. <laughs> you don't want none of this shit. I, I mean, this might sound like a dumb answer, but my gut, my gut reaction would be go a lot. Yep. Just keep going. I mean, you can apply that to a ton of fish, but getting back to what I was saying about why don't I have one on fly yet? Because I don't keep going to do it. I choose to go chase other things that are closer or more interesting or more in season or whatever. If, the, if, if I kept pounding it, what does that do? You learn every time you get, if you, mm -hmm. if you go fishing, you don't learn something. Every time you go, you're doing something wrong. So naturally, if I went out there with a fly rod, the, even some of the smaller lakes here, it would have been done already. Uh, but in terms of like tips for, I don't know, like making the conversion on a figure eight, I, I've only ever caught one fish in a figure eight. Every other one, which I just busted on trolling. I could also be like, there's a fish that eats out, that eats out count. Cause like the, the bigger ones I caught in Minnesota, like <laughs> one cast turn, turn, boom, like bluefish style. Like you can't mess that up. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can't mess that up. It's like, oh, there he is. Um, it, that's like the, that's the ideal day when you don't see the follows you just get the hits dude, fishing. i i had that on the saint croix in that that episode where we fished all night for two nights in a row for nothing uh and then uh got it done on on saint croix but yeah those fish ate out and uh, i've had that happen several times i i have the utmost respect for you guys if you if you have poise with a hot fish boat side because i fall apart 
Like I, and I, oh, I inevitably, and again, it's nothing but experience. If I had caught a bunch or done this a bunch more, it's all experience. I get that. And I've read about it and I've interviewed people about it and I've written about it and I've watched the videos about it. Yet when it happens, I will still fucking zig when I should have zagged. And then you just Monday morning quarterback, like, oh, well, if you'd gone left instead, maybe I'm like, yeah, well, I didn't. And now I, yeah, I sorry. Like this, yeah, this would be an absolutely incredible time to play a sound bite. We had a nice probably mid 40s musky follow Joe's fly around. Follow, 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 follow. Come on. And he was just not hot at all. And off he drifted. <laughs> like it, 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 I watched that and I was dying. I'm like, that is all of us every time we see it. No matter how cool you are in your head, that's what you're thinking. I, I I find, you know, again, it, it all speaks to why I have such respect for musky fishermen, because even with like a big brown trout or something, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. If I see it, I'm going to screw it up. I don't want to see a striper. <laughs> I don't want to see the brown. I don't want to see it. I just want to eat the shit, you know, That's so a, I, it's it's just it just shortens the margin of error there. You know, I feel like if you don't get that, if you don't get that excitement, it's like. I don't know why you're even fishing. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you what I do. I, I, I'll tell you how I screw it up, which I know is the biggest rookie move in the entire world. Everybody has scolded me for it. They're like, when you see the muskie, don't stop long enough to say, I see the muskie. That's what I do. It's like, you're reeling. And it's like, oh. they're like, what? Don't stop. Keep going. I'm like, oh, oh, lost his attention. Oh, he's gone. Like, you know, because you do, you get all struck. I, right. I can't imagine how, how long you have to do it. You know, how much time you guys would be able to tell me. We like, still, I still screw it up. Well, no, no, not, not screw it up. But how long do you have to go? And like, what success do you have to get to before? You're not as awestruck because that's w what it is for me. It's like you you put in so I put in so many hours that when I find and the whole time I'm anticipating that I'm going to screw it up. Never once have I gone musky fishing where I'm like, if it happens, it's going to go perfectly. Like I'm anticipating flubbing <laughs> it from the outset. And then most of the time, it's just it's just so many hours. And then when you see it, you're like, holy shit. I know that has to dissipate after a while if you're dedicated to it you just need to go uh, see the uh the hypnotherapist from office space <laughs> I, honestly a boat side a boat side musky eat like never gets old i mean it's in it, it, the first the first figure eight fish i'll i'll never forget it man like that the, the i saw it the whole thing happened and and it happened just like watching doug wegner do it on lake of the woods videos that i was watching you know years ago like in holy shit here's this torpedo coming behind and instead of stopping the bait you've you speed speed it up and all of a sudden that fish comes in hotter right and it's like wow it's it's like counterintuitive and, and when, once you see that you 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 begin to like it, now it's amazing how you kind of progress like you i watched my first videos as a musky fisherman and, and i didn't have a clue now i'm watching every single retrieve and I'm in my lures coming in at, a, at the right angle because I know I'm going to make that figure eight, regardless of whether I see a fish or not, because you, it, the more you do it, you realize those fish are there, you know, yeah. and even if you're not seeing it behind you behind there, you know, you do two turns and you never know when a fish is going to hit it in that second turn that you didn't even see that fish. Yep. And that is so awesome, man. I, I mean, I got one at night. I got one at like dusk in, in a figure eight uh, a couple years ago, and it was just like. 
the most unbelievable thing because I didn't see it at all. It just it just hit while I the my lore was was in the second second bottom of the second turn. And, and you you hit the nail on the head with the problem. It, it is training yourself to deal with that counterintuitive counterintuitive idea of speeding up because so many other things you you see a brown swing off the bank coming after a streamer stop for a sec twitch boom you know there's so many things that that is the trigger and musky from my experience it's it's usually the it's opposite it's keep away yeah, yeah. but that's yeah. it's so hard to get in your head if you're not used to it and you don't do it a lot you know i was gonna bring doug wagner up too owen because i mean like uh, joe you were asking when that goes away and i don't have it's i'm like what five six years into it it hasn't gone away for me i still yeah. pucker up every time i if it's a 30 inch musky i still that's pucker good. up yeah yeah but absolutely you watch you watch a guy like doug wagner he he's got a 52 inch musky coming in behind his bucktail and his reaction is coming in yeah <laughs> like no no emotion no no fear no anxious just like at some point it happens but it hasn't happened for me yet i still get it's crazy he trolls so he catches a bunch of them so uh-huh. they're a little cool and cool and collected when they come in uh-huh. i hope that feeling never goes away because yeah. i i don't want i don't want to feel comfortable i want it to feel very like you know just i just want to stay amped and I want to stay like hyper focused. And whenever I see a fish, like I hope I always react the way I have been. And that's just nothing but like pure freaking out and excitement because that's why I love this. The, the day that I can't like celebrate and slap five after catching a 27 inch fish, like I just want to quit. I want to go back to bass fishing because I love, I love these fish so much. Like, I just I want to be excited. And I want to make mistakes because it's fun for me to, to clarify, though. I wasn't saying like you lose like the the fire. Mm-hmm. I just meant like at what point are you collected enough where when it does happen, like you the just do all the post. right things. Yeah, yeah I don't I don't want to, I don't want to be collected. I don't I seriously <laughs> don't want to be collected because it's too, it's too fun for me to be a complete idiot on the boat. Like I see a fish and these guys know, you know, like I'm the guy that's yelling and screaming. I, I've had uh we have a we have a local guy here, Mark King, and I was I was fishing with him the one day, and I bagged a fish for him, and I'm I'm screaming both side. I'm excited, and I looked, and he looked at me, and he goes, "What are you screaming for?" Yeah, why are you screaming? <laughs> I'm like, "Cause I'm pumped, man. This is awesome. This is I love this. Like, I, but being collected, I mean, you, I mean, I guess it's gonna happen at some point where you feel like you're a lot more comfortable to deal with a fish, but I just want to freak out every time, regardless how big it is. Well, that kind of brings brings me to kind of a, a question and maybe toward the heads us towards wrapping this up. But, you know, Joe, you've been doing this now for you've been in the industry for how many years? Uh, coming up on 16. OK, so 16 years that you've been that fishing has or outdoors have been your livelihood or the, your, the way you make a living. Have you lost Bare, barely that, make a living? Have you lost that love for no. it? No. Okay. And that's great to hear because something we've talked about in a, in previous podcasts is, you know, we, none of us make our living doing this. So we get to enjoy it. We get to have fun with this. We get to, you know, just shoot the shit and it doesn't matter whether anyone listens or not. Um, and therefore, you know, we get, we can easily keep the passion 
it's nice to really talk to someone who is as engaged as you are and not only just with general fishing, but with a bunch of clowns like us talking about muskies, like you clearly really enjoy this. And I am very refreshed by that for someone that's been in the industry this long, that still has that fire and that much enjoyment and that has been willing to give us this time here this evening. I, I just want to say thank you about for that. Oh, this has been a bla- this has been one of the most fun podcasts I've ever done. No, no That's bullshit. So cool. I, I, I absolutely mean that. And I, I think, um, you know, what what keeps it fresh for me is that even though it's fishing, again, I said, like, I, I was always playing in bands and things. It's just creativity. I think it, it becomes a, a job and people burn out on anything when they lose the drive to push it to another creative level. So as long as I have an outlet where I can always like, well, what's next or what can we do now? Or how is this different? You know, that that's really the fun of it. And in a way it's sort of lucky because things change so much that sort of keeps you on your toes, you know? So it's, uh, but no, after all this time, no, I wake up every day and I truly mean this and go, I can't believe I do what I do and I've done what I've done. I've never taken it for granted. I, I owe a lot of people. It took a, it took a lot of hard work, but I never, take it for granted um and i'll probably ne- also never lose the fire because like what the hell do i do if i don't do this this is all i know guys this is all this is all this is all i'm good at like what do i do what, what then what you know it's i've done this right. straight out of college full time you know from uh, the minute i graduated to right now i've been blessed and lucky enough to you know somehow make this a living that was one That's of awesome. my questions for you joe because owen's always talking to our guests like he like he always preaches this idea like he didn't want to golf professionally because he loves the golf he didn't want to ruin golf for himself and he's always preaching like this idea to our guests like whether they be bait makers or guides like we love fishing so much but when that moment when you make fishing your work you kind of become jaded yeah and and that's well i only partially agree with what you're saying because it kind of comes back to you had mentioned earlier people are always like oh man you're a professional fisherman no no, 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 I'm not. Not at all. I, I, I'm a journalist, I guess. I'm a mm-hmm. media creator, right? So I don't see me ever becoming jaded on fishing because I do a, a shitload of fishing on my free time. It's a different story. And I, I, I know a lot of these people and I find it sad. They only pick up a rod and reel when it's for work. They're on TV or they're doing this. The last thing they want to do when the camera's not rolling and the money's not coming in is go fishing. Well, dude, then you shouldn't do this at all anymore. Now it is a job, you know, right. and, and there's sadly there are a lot of people like that. Uh, anybody who knows me will tell you that is not me. Um, I look at it like party bonus. I get to go fish some cool places sometimes and get paid for it. But hell no. On the weekends, I'm like, I don't want to cut the grass. I want to go fish. So it's not a matter of getting jaded on fishing so much as getting jaded on you know the 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 writing and, and and the editing that kind of thing which i'm not but again to that point i i'm lucky enough to be in a point where um i still have creative like i have a creative outlet i can be creative there are other positions in this field where it's like hey man we just need you know you to write 25 of these listicles the 10 best what yeah, that can get very tiring, um, you know, and I'd, I'd like to not be in that position. So as long as I, I have the ability to be creative, uh, I don't I don't really see myself getting jaded on it, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Well, does anyone have any any final questions before we try to wrap? We've already taken two plus hours of Joe's time here. So I bet Tom uh, does. You, I you have got a couple. Me. I have a couple things I want to say. You got me out of bedtime duty, so this is oh. Fine. Oh. this is fine. Is yeah. bedtime duty also sponsored by Crown Oil? Uh <laughs> post bedtime duty is sponsored by Crown Royal, yeah, and uh Maker's Mark. <laughs> you'll see, you'll see. Joe, a while ago you said a quote. It was on I forget where I heard it. I think it might have been on like an old podcast you might have done with Ross or something, but you said that I'd rather talk to 10,000 people who are really into what you're saying and want to be there than a million people who the majority of them aren't really even paying attention. And I think that's kind of like what we strive to do, whether we're talking to, we joked around when we first started this, like our six listeners, and now we've seen it grow a little bit. And granted, we're not, we're not doing bent numbers. We're not doing hookshot numbers. We're, we're at nine in the ballpark. now. Yeah, we're at nine. We were almost up to double digit listeners now, but that, that's like, that's, <laughs> that's been our goal from the start. It's just like Owen said with our guests, like we've, we want people that want to be here. We want people that love the sport, love musky fishing. Like that, that was like really cool to hear you say. And well, I can relate to that. Sometimes I think this sounds cheesy, but but I mean it, you know, from the heart. Like, I um, I have to be cognizant of numbers with what I do. I have to be cognizant of money. I have to be. But that's not really the things that drives me. What drives me is engagement. I am an engagement-driven person. And nothing fuels my fire more than hearing from people going, love that. That was funny. Pissed my pants when you said that. Like, that is... <laughs> I'm 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 serious. Like that is yeah. the driving force, and I meant exactly what I said. It, it doesn't matter if I if I start a new podcast and a hundred people listen to it, but they're glued to it, dude. I'm all in for those hundred people, mm -hmm. you know. And I I have no desire to have millions of followers. That will never happen anyway. But you know, you 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 get too big in any arena. It doesn't matter what the arena is. You can't maintain that connection with your people. And Hookshots, a community was built around that. Bent, that became a community. I, I see it. I see these people coming together from all different walks of fishing. Fly guys, ice guys, offshore guys, musky guys. We're all hanging out in the same place, and it's been a lot of fun. But to, to achieve that, you, you have to make yourself approachable, right? Um, you, you have to answer. I mean, it's a, it's a simple thing. I see bigger celebrity i'll use your word it's your words not mine. <laughs> but you know you have these people with these social media followings and it's like man these people are trying social media at its core is supposed to be social right you talk to each other it's like it's not that much effort to go through a list of comments and click the like and at minimum that tells somebody oh shit dude read it i saw you, know? you. like yeah. like yeah you know that's so it. that's yeah. that's important to me and i absolutely mean that i would much rather hang out with you know, 10 really good friends and party in the garage than 10,000 at some rave and like everybody's lost in their own world or like half paying attention. 100%. Joe, everything you do turns into a rave. <laughs> Is it like a punk rock rave? At least it's like a like punk full, rock rave. It's, it's like a mosh pit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I know I was, I was listening in the car. We, we had our New York Muskie Expo a few months back here and that was right about the time that the last episode of Bent came mm -hmm. out. And I was listening to it on the way with my girlfriend in the car and the episode ended. I didn't cry this time. I didn't get choked up like I did hook shots, but I was a little bummed. And she asked me, she's like, well, do you think that's the end of Joe? And I like laughed. I'm like, that's not the end of Joe. No, Joe's just getting started, dude. Just a new chapter. You know, like I said, it's it's going to be an interesting one, but I think it's going to be a fun one. 
it's one I'm excited about. Um, but no, it's it's not the end. And you know, again, I, I, there's only so much I can talk I can talk about. But everybody who has reached out since Bent stopped, I, I took the time to answer them all, and I was like, just chill, sit tight. Give me some time to regroup and refill the kegs. But like, no, 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 we're not. We're not done. You know? If we could give you one tip, I'd say work hunks into the name. Because we've gotten yeah. a lot of referrals from people's moms. Yeah. To, we have know, hit them. Uh, moms honest, and wives. An moms and wives. mom demographic. For I stumbled across podcast. this podcast. It's mom. Wild. Why are you searching hunks? <laughs> they also have a couple listeners in Ukraine, I believe. Do. Dude, I wonder what a muskie is. Dude, some some of my favorite stuff over the years have been, you know, I get these notes of people like I'm from this country. You've probably never heard of it. I'm like, sure don't. I have no idea where that country <laughs> even is, but that is awesome. All right. <laughs> yeah. One, one thing I wanted to say here, Joe, th- this is going to be a, a little weird, but Owen and I both. <laughs> Oh no! Wait, wait, wait! Is this, wait, is this just gonna myself. get weird now? Yeah, yeah. It's just two and a half hours. Now, in. Just gonna half start hours in. Now it's gonna yeah. get weird. Yeah. All right, I'm bring it. We know, we know you're. <laughs> we know you've gotten roasted in the past for smoking those cigarettes, and Owen and I both quit the cigarettes, and we, mm-hmm. uh, I'm asking Joe C now to quit the cigarettes so we can have many more years of Joe C content. I have start. To... I haven't smoked one in three years, homie. Good oh, stuff. Congrats, man. Yeah. We, we want you to start taking those vitamins so we can have Joe C podcast many years into the future. I am. I'm taking vitamins. I'm doing like a Nutrisystem. It's there a whole new, whole, new whole new me. Whole new me. We don't want this to be the end of the road for Joe C. No, I, have, no, I have no, no doubt. Dude, Tom's, Tom's predicting death. I appreciate what you're saying, but I'm like, Fuck, that just got really what morbid. What kind of diagnosis no. did you get just get, Joe? <laughs> did you jinx me? Are you like the black angel of death? <laughs> I just put the hex on him. Great. Now Reddit's going ki- to crucify man. me. Oh, my no, God. No, I, I appreciate what you're saying. And, and I, I did smoke. I wasn't proud of it. I kept it out of what I do. But no, I I, I haven't smoked a heater in three years. Shit. <laughs> Oh. I hope this isn't going to cause you to start up again. We'll no, no, no. Uh, I think I might start. <laughs> oh, man. All right. God. On that note, anyone else have anything other than I, I seriously want to thank you, Joe. This has yeah. been a blast, man. I've had, I, a I lot had of fun. a ton of fun. This has been this is super fun, guys. <laughs> thank you. Not, not on behalf of us, but Joe, like on behalf of like everybody who fishes, because I know this has been like all, all kidding aside. This has been like an opportunity I've really looked forward to. This is where I Tom know. cries. This, yeah. is, this is where I cry at the end of this one. Is now, it still but... getting weirder? No, no we're, not past weird. we're past the weird. We're past the weird. But I know a lot of people out there would really like to do this, to sit down and talk with you. So I don't I don't take that for granted. Like, you you didn't have to sit down with us tonight. You did. We, we all really appreciate that. Yeah, and we'll all be paying attention to what you do next. And we'll be looking forward to, to following along with, with your, your next step, man. Yeah, and I, I will just say I'll use the opportunity for any of my listeners who tune into this, and I hope they do. Um, uh, you know, I know everybody's dying for me to get back on the air, which I love that. And I'm flattered and, and super pumped. Um, but um, I'm not going to start a new podcast, you know, on uh, at the kitchen table. I got bigger plans than that. And these things take time. You know what I mean? It's, it's not an easy thing to just 
turn and uh, and flip over. So stick with me. I'm 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 angling early fallish. That's You've all. You've got I commitments to Joanne, so Joe. Yeah, yeah, I know you guys <laughs> got a deal to fill. I think yeah. you're the only guys that read that when I left Meat Eater. I changed my thing, to, uh, my job description to Chief Super Glue Consultant at Joanne Fabrics. Nobody has brought it up, but you guys. Credit credit goes to Nick on that one. That was a last minute addition. Right, yeah, it was Nick. Nick. It wasn't Tom stalking your Instagram. But it's funny. People leave places and then they change their Instagram to like. Former this, former that, former. I'm like, for that's uh, it's like, I'm not saying that, right? That's dark, yeah, dark. Uh, like, why are you former? Yeah, you know, what? How did you screw up? You know, I was gonna ask if I could send my book out to you, but I don't want you to read your address because Tom might get it. <laughs> well, I'll give you the address, just not on the freaking podcast after I leave 555 Main yeah. Street. We, we promise not to share it with Tom. <laughs> Oh my goodness! All right, guys. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, this man. has been great. We can't yeah. thank you enough. Hey, we'll That's do it again sometime. I mean that. Yeah, we Down we got to get you back I'll on once you right. conquer that ghoul. Once you get that big fly musky, then we'll get on. Get oh, you're you gonna on wait the for story. that. You're gonna wait for that. <laughs> we'll I hold our breath. I don't, I don't know. We're holding our breath. Yeah. I'm gonna set up my fly rod for muskies just to troll you with it. Yeah, and you'll probably smoke one first time out. <laughs> at the at the very worst, maybe we'll end up with a time on the water style book of how Joe C lost his mind fishing for his fly muskie, right? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe in the future. A pocketbook for Ryan. I will say, uh, yeah. I don't I don't know what it is yet, but I am itching. It's been a long time since I've had a book project going, and I'm dying to get one going. So that's gonna be something else. I'm trying. I, you can't juggle too many things at one time, but I, I'm, I'm kind of itching to get back with a book project too. So we'll see. There Probably won't be that. I like it. But it pro- <laughs> don't be disappointed if it's not that. Uh, one can uh, dream, right? Yes, they can. Now you're just showing off. We can't juggle or read. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Joe, you're always, I know Owen likes to invite all of our guests to Hunk's Weekend. We have a little weekend up at our musky lake. Joe, you're invited to Hunk's Weekend. The too. weird is still, it's just yeah. to the bitter end. <laughs> We're taking it to the last second. <laughs> always invited. Hunk's Weekend. Anyway, well, no, what's, is that a real thing? Yeah. This is yeah. a very real thing. Oh, my God. When is it? Yeah. Usually in the fall. We'll get back to Usually you with in October. Okay. You let, It'll be in October. let me know. I will consider that. I'm not even bullshitting. If I got nothing going on, I just may not be able to resist. The, the open the invite is open. We'll we'll talk about that between we now have and then. Separate cabins too on the opposite yeah. sides of the lake. So you don't have to with, be near with right. locking doors. Locking doors. Good to know. Good to know. All right. All right. I gotta get the dad duties, boys. I'll see you. Joe, this has been a blast. Thank you, guys. It's been a lot of fun. We'll catch you later.